0: Welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm John. I'm Steve. And I get to intro right off again two weeks in a row because I was the advocate, more or less, for gorillas last week. Yeah. And I am the advocate this week as it is my pick, special. not an all-pick. Special, right? I am special
1: not those other hundred and something episodes where he did it by default. Well, that that yeah. wasn't special. Th- that wasn't special. I well, miss those
2: special. days because then I wouldn't have to talk for like a really long time. I still yeah, don't do that. It. Well, I just look at you guys and shake my head He's from time th- to time.
1: This is more words than you've done in weeks in these first few seconds. That's true. Yeah, well, usually
2: you
0: stay pretty quiet which is shocking to me, honestly. That's well,
2: because you just interrupted me three He's, times so that's usually <laughs> why <laughs> I remain really quiet. That's fair. He's changed, man.
0: So, if you read the title or tuned in last week, you know that we are doing Everywhere is Somewhere by K-Flay.
2: Um, I wanted to bring the album... Inflections f- off. It's every where is somewhere, Specifically because they are separate words in I this case. I spaced them out. There was pauses. Not, not enough space. You need more space. Um, we
0: could K- all use more space in our lives. That's true. This week I picked an album that... Um, my last pick didn't fly so well mostly because I didn't really do a ton of research on it And we were harsher on it than we would have liked um, You can hear why and our resolution with that uh, in a previous episode But I wanted to pick an album like Steve had set up after we kind of shifted our ruling a bit uh, That I'd be an advocate for like I was last week And so Kayflay is an artist that I actually discovered through of the Dark Lord when he was a guest on our podcast But had to leave early And I did a phone interview with him for the interview portion of the show. It was because he was leaving early from where we record to go see K-Flay, who I hadn't really heard of before he brought her up. So I decided to check out some of her stuff. Um, She released a single called FML uh, sometime last year that I really dug. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, she's kind of got a similar flair to the other indie or alternative hip-hop that i have been listening to. So when I found out she was coming out with a brand new album, which is her second record to date, uh, full length, that is, um, she's been putting out mixtapes and compilations since uh, 2004, but this is her first, her second full-length released album. Um, I was interested in checking it out as much as I had really loved FML and had heard good things about her previous work, even though I hadn't had really much experience with it. Sure. And so that's what led me to this today. Um, I, I wasn't really familiar with her background. I know she had partnered with um, MC Lars to do a a duet album together, Um, and so I know she had some credit in the nerdcore scene, but I didn't know much beyond the fact that I knew she was an, uh Indie or alternative hip-hop rapper.
1: Well, there's not as much to say, or at least just starting off with me and John. I'm a complete newcomer to her, as is John, but uh, not to underspiel her, because, of <laughs> course, there's not the same thesis, I think, for today's episode, but I, I will fill in some of the blanks. Here's some of the wiki highlights. First of all, her real name, and that is Christine Meredith Flaherty. So, K. Flay. Yeah. It, it, kind name, of an intuitive hip-hop reduction, I think. Yeah, and actually works really well. Almost sounds like a silly name generator thing. Yeah. Actually, one of our artists had actually chosen their name. Childish Gambino. Yeah. That was it. He used the Wu-Tang Clan name generator. To pick his rap yeah. name. Yes, correct. Anyway, I'm not saying that's how he should Maybe it's just a little quirky nickname, and it just fits the hip-hop scene really, really well. So uh, she's from Wilmot, Illinois. She's a singer, songwriter, and rapper. And to get a little personal, she identifies as, well, for one, a bit of a tomboy, and also there's. Some life-changing shaping molding moments in her early life such as the death of her father who was a guitarist who died when she was 14 years old so many of her tracks throughout her early career have been a tribute to him directly uh, furthermore she rejected most radio hip-hop tracks as simplistic misogynistic and formulaic don't we know it? Yeah. And so she bragged to her friend that she could create something better or at least on par. And so she wrote, blingity-blang-blang. <laughs> and it's all history from there. Oh, that's great. She's, I love uh, that bit. Yeah, no, she's a, a true indie artist. Like you said, she did that uh, early mixtape. Um, I, I Honestly, considering the the age of her development in this field uh, and technology state at the time, I would say she's right there in that golden age of indie art artist internet development, early 2000s when computers could actually be like comparable to studio equipment, so that's how she made the mixtape, was actually just on her laptop, didn't use a producer, didn't use anything, it was just mixtape, very, very low-key, and then kind of slowly popularized it, shared it around, started locally, and grew from there. Rest is history. Yeah. Um, It's the second time I'm saying that. (laughs) More is history. (laughs) More is history.
0: But no, what really interested me about her as well is the fact that, you know, my last pick was a debut album, um, and... I didn't, again, have really any history here. I don't have a ton of the history either, but I have, first of all, recommendation from for the Dark Lord rings pretty highly, as Mm -hmm. I am a fan of a lot of the things that he has done and has recommended. But also, the one single that I'd heard that actually is not on this album, it was just released on its own, um, I... Enjoyed a lot and got uh, empathized with and sympathized with quite a bit. And so I was interested to see Considering how personal FML was because the song essentially the premise is about how great her life is But her life is not great right like this idea that she's got all of this success and all of this stuff But she's life still sucks at the core of it. Ah, uh, you mean irony. Yeah, yes, um, I, I was gonna say it, but, <laughs> but so I I enjoyed that song quite a bit, so I was like, alright, I'm curious how personal the rest of her stuff is. Well, spoiler alert, her stuff is pretty personal. personal. Just just about all of her music is directly related to her, her family, or her life.
1: Or is born out of those things. So, tap into all of those threads as you go into this album. Let's tap into the album cover as we do, as we like to do. Yes.
0: you know, I mean, this album cover, as far as simplicity goes, is pretty simplistic. Though, I do like the idea. So, it's a receipt with some change, a uh, safety pin, uh, on a red, a bright red, almost like diner-quality table, I would say, like the cheesy
1: kind of 70s, faux 70s diners you've seen. It's the kind that's laminated. Yeah. Instead of actually being painted or properly treated. Right. Specifically, it's uh, 17 cents. <laughs> 17 cents and two safety pins. If you look closer at the receipt, of course, you've got this... The album itself, everywhere, is somewhere, so the title of the album is actually nowhere else on the cover except right there on the receipt. The fare, at least, is nothing. The change is now, the tip is scale, and total is free. And right there, K-Flay, thank you, have a nice day. But the most important thing about this is that it says for service call 1-800-845-4022. And so we did. And we got K-Play herself, at least uh, a pre-recorded message, giving us a whole uh, list of, you know, numbers to click. If you click number one, then you're going to get kind of an explanation on this album. Yeah, a track-by-track breakdown of what the inspiration was for each song. Which, to be honest, sounded pretty poetic just in its own right. Yeah. It's kind of strange that you have that little piece of extracurricular album material right there, technically as a part of the album. And I don't know, that sent me into a little conflict, because technically... You know, I, I try to push some of the other stuff aside that, you know, comes about, like, in interviews and things like that. Yeah. But that, of course, is very extracurricular. Like, that was yeah. made separately, the album, only at the request of, of of the interviewer. Right. Right? But in this case, this is all part of the package she designed. So, I don't know. I guess... It, it, it's supplementary, for sure, to the lyrics that are there, but I, I, I thought it was pretty moving just while listening.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, she's also clearly speaking from a place of, it sounds, she's not making this recording kind of deadpan. There's an emotion to it, like, it it means something to her to put this out there. Not just the album, but the explanation, and to have people be able to reach her. I mean, one of the other options on the phone um, is to press a button to leave her a message, yeah. which you, I have to imagine she probably checks, which is pretty personal, that is To allow
1: people to access to you, even though you control it. Well, remember what we just said about her indie artist, you know, coming of age. Like, that's a key thing in that demographic, is say, very, very close to your fans. Yeah. Um, because they're the ones who made you, essentially. Yeah. Like, from the ground up. You owe them just for starting off, so you feel kind of connected to them for life. More so than, let's say, someone who just got immediately signed and kind of skipped all over that. And suddenly found themselves with this giant, induced a fan base right. in some sense.
0: I mean, but I think that's what really like I, originally I thought the album cover was just okay. It it, remi- it reminded me of a lot of nineties albums cover that were just stuff. You know, there were a lot of nineties album cover that just had stuff in a place and there was a photo. But what's really interesting about me is that that phone number does connect to something and that it is related to the, it's related media to the album. I think that's really cool. And I think I like Easter eggs like that, you know? So anytime you find one, it's, you know, literally we're sitting here at the table and Steve goes, "Hey, I wonder if we call this?" And then we get all this stuff, and I think that's pretty neat. It's always a fun little thing, just like you know, like old school pop punk fans would leave like bonus tracks back in the time when it wasn't expected. Like Green Day did that all the time, where there was always a pause on the final track and then another track. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy that kind of thing too. And this is a sim- in the similar vein, but using the album cover to deliver it.
2: I believe the word you're looking for is meta. Like it all is just a um, a, a very nice and a little bit cheeky meta ploy to uh further give you insight into the artist's mind like it's on the face of it it's it's an insight into what this album is supposed to represent. Well that's kind but of on I, the line. But, but but I look at it a little bit differently. We're going to okay, we're just totally going to leave the cover for just a moment here.
1: This is part of the album
2: cover. Yeah, this is but the we're, only place we can have this leaving. discussion. We're leaving I'm leaving it for just a moment. I'd like to sort of absorb this music in a vacuum away from any other artist's intentions or anything like that. I, I, In a lot of ways, I like the music just to speak for itself. I mean, we all do, but sometimes I feel like if I know a little bit too much about a musical piece, if I know too much about an album or a specific song or something like that, it will color it a little bit differently than if you just listen to the raw music itself, the raw, like, final cut of what you're getting on the album. So while I did enjoy... Um, the meta nature of what's going on right here. And I think it's a more than just being a, a nice way to connect. It's a clever ploy for uh, people who don't know what this album is about to get insight into what the album is about, to get insight into what the music is supposed to mean and everything like that. People who may not have even thought of doing it might you know, see a picture of this on Metacritic or something like that and be like, let me let me call that number. And then you get something that actually kind of touches you. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. I don't want to know about it because I want to know the music for itself without any coloring influences. But at the same time, that coloring influence can make the music maybe more, sometimes less, but maybe more worthwhile just by having a little bit of extra history involved with it.
1: Yeah, I'm really split down the middle on uh, this. I, I do tend to agree with you as far as the, you know, reviewing in a, in a vacuum kind of thing. But I, you know, we were just talking off air about how some, some of these album covers really are as arbitrary as it gets. And there was a lot more thought put into this. And I think that does that is intrinsically a part of the package in this case.
0: I would agree. Um, I think also this is something we should table for the tail end of the episode, because I think there's more to say about external sources and things that can color your view on an album, especially something like this that's directly related to the work itself because it's provided by the artist. Like, stuff, theories, and theoretical videos on other media is one thing, fan theories, blah, 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 but this is directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and so, I wonder, is that help or hurt an album in the long run? Or, you know, it's essentially what we're talking about here, but maybe elaborating a bit. Or other experiences we've had like this. Like, we talked about Damon Albarn and the stuff he said in
1: the news mm-hmm. and on or Rolling Stone that ha- changed our perspective completely on songs. That we, we had, had the liked. discussion of how we may have actually gotten a little bit too close to the album on Sting, on Sting's yeah. 57th and 9th uh, in episode 226, because some, somehow... In some way, that actually did not help our listen. It yeah. did not help our experience, even as personal as it gets. Sometimes, if you just you know listen to things a little bit more removed in kind of the in your own mind's imagination, then the interpretation can run wild. And we do like to explore that. On one hand,
0: right. And we'll go into more it's- detail later. But like even Chile Gonzalez, who reached out to us personally via Facebook to tell us something that we essentially pulled together on one of his songs was not it at all. Like, he had no thought like that in it. And he thought it was cool how we elaborated
1: this thing he didn't even think of. It is more difficult, though, on a hip-hop or a heavily hip-hop-influenced album where you have a lot more content, a lot more words, just, just per moment, per minute, that... I do think in those cases, fans tend to be a little bit more unified in their feelings on the album, sure. just because they have a more extended story.
2: Right. So, Though we have our own differences. I know uh, off-air me and Matt actually had a couple disagreements on what the presentation and meaning was on, right. on a few pieces. So let's get into
1: it. First yeah. track, Dreamers. This actually did end up being kind of a thesis, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. a did, little bit. didn't think it was going to be a thesis. Parental advisory, too. That's there. Yeah. All track right. one. <laughs>
0: So track one, Dreamers, um, we get a a, a very distinct tone to start with because it has this kind of synthy drone intro. It
1: kind of has a lethargic feel to it. You know how I'd I'd actually classify that that opening sound, just apart from our usual go-to's, which is that deep reverberating Uh, synth sound. Instead, this is more akin to like a very coarse uh, horsehair bow on an upright bass, but played very, very close to the bridge, Mm -hmm. and then. Yes, mic'd and then yeah. heavily patched and electronified, perhaps. We don't know. Actually, but it's, I, I described it as yeah. a phased out bass. Yeah. But it, it is muffled, maybe with the treble yanked down, or, you know, maybe even just a, a normal bowing, and then everything else is all post production. We don't know, but that's, that's the sense. That's the texture that I well, get. The Warble does
0: sell that kind of bowed feel because it does kind of have a boop, boop, boop kind of feel yep. to it. Mm-hmm. And so either it is just reverb heavy or it does have that kind of struck or bowed yep.
1: feel could have been like one you can never know nowadays it yeah. could have been just like one moment one strike on the bow and then that is just copied and copied and copied and yeah. the the patch is uh basically transit transforming it so yeah it's it's something different i'd say for you know just a hip-hop album i mean i again i didn't know her at this point i didn't know what to expect but i would say by the time we get to the first verse and we hear her voice this um I kind of dithered about the singing style at first. And this is a little bit taste-based. I was having one of those, like, "Mm, I've kind of heard this style before sensation. Uh, First, let me read just the beginning. Nobody showed you how to live, me either. Get a steady job, couple kids, act decent. But I've been on a 10-speed, thinking about the time as the sun sets. Like, what would I do different if I hit rewind and did it again? This is in the way she sings this it's singing slow like she's in a daze because she's talking about life the great mystery of knowing how to manage it mm-hmm. knowing how to manage your own life that is and these are humbling subjects, for sure, but also very universal. And musicians do tackle these in a very broad sense every day. Like, I, I woke up this morning and, and yesterday morning just wondering how to manage these things, and I guess I, I don't feel any differently having listened to these first couple verses yet. I just felt like, oh, well, it's about life. Maybe I should maybe I should tap into this. Maybe I should avoid it. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's all kind of open-ended at this stage. I will say a couple things about her inflection, though, because A compliment there, there are moments where her voice gets very breathy and goes high and has a little just like almost like moments of performed satire within her own verse. That's more present in later tracks, but I do get early glimpses of it right here. And at at times in this track, I couldn't figure out which, which... side of the line I was on, like, is it, you know, is it familiar or is there something very specific, very unique to this artist right here in these moments? And I do think that as the verses progressed, I began to see the forest for the trees and and where that stuff really succeeds, especially in light of the music later on that mimics it and reflects the energy and the attitude. But the music was less present in this case. I actually was in the same sort of boat
2: as you. Uh, Specifically on the caliber of her vocals, I kept bouncing back and forth from wanting to describe it as uh, husky to froggy. One positive, one negative. Because there's a little bit of a hitch in the back of her throat that I like most of the time. This track was the one that I really was on the fence about. Later on, as we go through, like... I, I just enjoy her vocals. But this mm-hmm. one, when it was first presented to me, I'm, I'm, I'm flip-flopping. I don't know how much I'm actually into it at first, and certain words, certain phrases
1: are actually doing it for me, but then a lot of the rest of the stuff in this particular track isn't. It was just tough to classify because you also I heard that huskiness but then at the same time there's those moments where she goes really high it's, it's suddenly it's it's, well, it's profoundly hu- feminine. So it is still yeah. but it's still husky. It still has that that little bit of a of a rasp to it, of a dryness to it. But sometimes that's just attitude and other times it feels like a of you know a vocal quality. Yeah. Like not something she's putting on. That's all these split markers, <laughs> let's see where Matt lands. Well, for he me, Becker. because I
0: ha- I was quite familiar with the song FML before getting to this album where she kind of runs the gamut of what her vocal quality is, there was nothing for me to dissect. I was on board from the beginning. Right. Um, what I really like here with the first verse is that it's almost split down the middle also, where the first part is fairly spoken like Steve Redd, mm-hmm. and then the second half, it becomes closer to a straight-up hip-hop flow as she picks up speed. Well, what's that's also, still
2: spoken. That is still spoken, but, it's, but the speed change? Yeah, yeah that was it's very well speed
0: increase, and what's really interesting also is the song starts with the vocals. They come in with uh, cymbals and a little bit of beat that, you know, essentially just move the song forward, but as we get to the second part of the verse that picks up we get a little more thick and then
1: once we get to the course is when the majority of the instrumentation comes in well let's bring in that rap here because where did we leave off at the end of the sort of slower verse like what would i do different if i hit rewind and did it again well i tried to figure it out but nothing was coming to mind remembered all my mistakes but the memories made me smile i told the one that i loved the love would mean letting me go even though i was afraid you got to do some things on your own and that's where we sort of step it up to this one goes out to all the dreamers at sea. This is the chorus. This life is only what you want it to be. And I want more. I want more.
0: Which is very hopeful and the music yeah. carries that. There's this sense of definitely an underlying depression and struggle in the verse
1: and the verse instrumentation. But it does get brighter in the chorus but I think it's a natural evolution. But in certain, sort of in the sense of the hope that it offers. Yeah. You see why I had that kind of like I don't know if this is going to be my thing in the beginning because right. this this is that commonly tackled subject which right. you know the surely the, the fact that it is an important subject and we all have to think about you know well what we did something different you yeah. know how can we do this on our own these are they are ubiquitous subjects and it's all very personal and so in in some sense that it actually makes me it makes it more difficult for me to sort of attach myself to uh, to the, the person because I don't know a lot about her life yet at this stage right. I just kind of am getting a sense of the moral. But this starts changing a little bit. Let's move ahead to what I would call the third verse. Um, Even though I guess you could almost say it functions as a bridge. There's just something about the chord progression feels very much the same as it was in the the verse. So uh, the only difference, I guess, is that it got a little bit thinner. And also the moral started hitting me a bit stronger here. Like if this were just sort of a normal verse, then you'd think it would just be kind of the next stage of the story or the next stage of everything and and it is more story here but this is where the moral twists around like let's read first i used to knock on wood i used to never curse i used to think i could control the universe with my obsessive thoughts and what felt like a prayer i shouted to the sky don't let my family disappear i used to feel alone i used to not belong but little did i know i had the power all along the only thing to fear is never being scared I think this is where that ubiquity that I hinted at kind of melted away yeah. for me. Specifically because when I read this, when I heard this the first time, I, I I kind of related to it in the sense that this is in many stages of my life, my problem. Like at various times, you know, the petitioning for something to happen, you know, still, I actually knocking on wood, I still do that to this day, you know, thinking that that's actually gonna make a difference in terms yeah. of like warding off whatever whatever you said beforehand. But like, you know, other times, Think you think I'd still compare to prayer. That's what she said yeah. like things that she would liken to prayer It's just the the petitioning for something to happen without you actually involving yourself uh, The the planning the ruminating the figuring out the revving yourself up all of which results in bupkis <laughs> It's not productive, you know not to knock planning and prayer But like let's say if you're religious think of the old God helps those who help themselves If even, Maxim, do everything in your power to make divine intervention and dumb luck the very last things you'll have to rely on in this world. And that's what this song was building to. And once we got here, I was rather moved. One might even say inspired to be a little bit less at fate's whim the next time something knocks me down.
0: Yeah, and I mean, also in that chunk of text that you read... It, she also applies it personally from what her struggle is, you, her obsessive thoughts, wanting to control the world, letting us in that she has an o- obsessive compulsive disorder of some kind, right? And this fact that she feels like things are out of control and she can't do anything, and that also adds a personal spin to it, which I really appreciate and can relate to. It was this
2: bridge-ish piece yeah. that I, I felt elevated the track to the sort of caliber I found with Blurry Face. Like it felt like a like a really good mm-hmm. pop hip hop but still like a decisively solid hip hop track yeah the sort of thing that uh, yeah i was i was humming along to it i was swaying uh, along uh, to it after like the f- after the first solid listen on the album, this did grab my attention. Uh, it, it did show that uh, we're kind of into something that I think is going to be a little bit deeper than what we I
1: was really expecting from right. the first few bars See, of this track. That's the only area where I'll pull back on. I wouldn't say I'm humming along to this track. I don't think it grabbed me on the musical level, which is why I, I have sort of been a little bit split down the middle throughout it. Uh, at least on that front. I do think, though, when it comes to the lyrical, to that moral, it it makes it one of those sort of wait-and-see kind of tracks. I I do believe it could have been a little heavier on the musical front, uh, especially for an introductory track for the album. Like, just sonically, I think my point is it wasn't an inviting introduction, just apart from that opening sound, the sort of bowing sensation on a makeshift, maybe not even real, upright bass. Like, that's just, it doesn't... That doesn't hold my attention for the rest of the song. Um, And same goes for the opening lyrics, because, of course, at that point, you just don't know enough. You just have to wait and see, and the writing kind of had to find itself for me to perk up. But the message is absolutely solid, and something that is worth the patience. It was... I'm, I'm right there with you. The music could have been a little bit more
2: experimental in the melody front. That I would have liked a little bit more variety and control with it. But... I loved the rhythm. The rhythm really did fit very well, and as much as I was still going back and forth, by the time we hit the bridge and that final chorus, the vocals were there for me. I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling like I was, I was missing out on too much because it's just the beginning. Yeah. So I'm expecting more from this album. That's actually something I probably should bring up. As much as I am enticed at this point, the first listen through. I also am expectant of a lot more on the musical front because interesting ideas are being presented. They're not just being fully, I guess, utilized or fully, like experimented with to create some sort of unusual Yeah, tone like the initial
1: idea, initial, they had the initial idea down I and want expansion It's kind of like that's yeah. just enough at
2: the stage,
0: but
1: it's a first track
0: Well, I think for me and where I stand with this track is having a pre-existing minor knowledge at least of previous work uh, uh, From a vocal standpoint, like I said, I was on board from the beginning I think for me the fact that the music kind of almost takes a little bit of a step back till towards the end I think is a great way to pull people in because I think here The story is taking precedent because she wants to bring you in and and it progresses and I think it serves its function And I think also as an introductory track She wants to bring you in on a hopeful kind of feel because as we're going to see in the coming tracks It does get a bit darker and so she wants to kind of bring bring you in on this up moment of something She's realizing about herself But then we get to find out coming in the next track and beyond how she came to this realization it's almost like foreshadowing, I think, for the arc of the
2: record a little bit here. Sure. And as much as my hopes were so high, I, I will say in the next track, Giver, the first three seconds, I was extremely disappointed because we got a thump clap. Oh, and I, I liked it. it. I okay, here's the problem. Here's I the problem. I, I initially gut reaction for something like this. Sonically is to dislike I am so So it took that. it did take five seconds And I was over that hump as soon as that first like weird squeal comes in. I really did. Oh, okay We're gonna get something different, but I want I wanted like it was it wasn't like a real just a
1: gut reaction of no Immediately immediately goes back, but but I I had to point that out one reason just one reason why that is so confusing to me Um, and that's because I In in such recent memory, like last episode, I could immediately think what I wanted to compare this to, and that was moments on Gorillaz. Absolutely, there is just something about that, like that that big beat, whatever it is. Sometimes this is what you need. All right, I concede that maybe at times that can be a little bit of a cheap shot, but considering that was the very first thing here, just this kind of two step. Uh, stomping on the beat, then the second stomp is doubled by the clap, like you said, but I noticed that each stomp has this really, really cool decay because it's almost like on every stomp you can hear the rattling of the floor beneath it. And that is a lot of force, and I think that's more than you're giving it credit for. It's why I like to break down, even though though just the stomp itself might be persistent, it may not be your cup of tea, I think sometimes something just as simple as the singular sound can keep your attention. And and this is kind of what I needed for the first track. I realized we had to build up, it's only track two, but this was... uh, W- much stronger on the musical level. It was the second measure when
2: that electric squeal comes in that I went. Yes, that that, that was too. what went what transformed that kind of the really passé kind of a move of doing a stomp clap, and it became something that was still the still similar, but but a different level, a, an actual enjoyment level, and a new texture that. Really complemented the initial sound very well. Yeah, I'm I'm completely
0: on the same page as Steve because of the way Dreamers ended and had this kind of almost ethereal feel by the end as a song called Dreamer would, mm-hmm. Dreamers rather um, that sudden crash to earth with this thump clap was perfect, it's exactly what I needed after that track. It grounds you in reality, and the synth squeals even further ground you that. These almost guitar sounding squeals on the synth really kind of set a kind of bar for the track that when the steady bass line kicks in for this track, as she starts to actually sing or speak sing the verse. The, vo- the verse here you really get a sense oh we're taking a bit of a darker shift here
1: we're we're inside the brain now we're in her mind right um, and also it reminded me of you know lots of like just positive connotations apart from just last week and, and moments by uh by gorillas also muse like yeah. muse when they are at their most brash yeah. you know they I know that uh, Matt Bellamy really likes to do that in his composition like between these like symphonic sounds and then just this just brash you know controlling the audience intensity a coarseness to it I think that's even uh, a better description it's just a screeching guitar that I notice occurs between Phrases um, and speaking of phrases, you know, getting a lot less hip hop here and more just a sense of kind of well, very much in the same vein of Muse, actually, a more like rock a more of. indie rock edging more on the pop side of things. I heard Trent Reznor throughout the piece. Industrial, yeah, sure, I can that do that was, too. That was that was the identifying factor I felt like was infused
2: into here. From that squeal to other little tidbits that going on to the yeah. overall feel of the track, it felt like it was industrial rock, or at least an industrial rock setting.
0: Well, I would agree also because the fact that the way she kind of delivers the lyrics here, this is where I'm really enraptured with her vocal style, because I've always liked alt-rock vocalists, which includes Trent Reznor, you know, Eve 6, Matchbox 20, these singers who That's early early alt-rock, though. (laughs) Early alt-rock, but these singers who have kind of a raspy voice, it's fairly presentationally delivered, there's not a lot of Uh, melodic, showy stuff. It's just kind of as-is. And you get a sense of this, and almost the dryness of the beginning parts of the verse before we get to the pre-chorus. Well,
1: that's why I said, you know, speaking of phrases, because I want to make that distinction where phrases are the big separator here between it being hip-hop. And hip-hop's kind of in my mind now because of the second halves of the the verses of the first track. But... Here it's it's not that if you don't have those runs you don't have that like, you know Fast-paced cram a lot of content in a short amount of time and and connect the content via Accent mark instead here. It's just these short concise phrases. I called my brother yelling out I fell in love and then fell out and I don't know if I can take the hit I let a stranger in my bed and I pretended you were him because I needed to feel wanted But I got oh I got to find another way another way uh, i got to find another way. That's the pre-chorus. That's the pre-chorus, and then finally the chorus. I'm learning to live. I'm trying to be better. I'm learning to give, but I don't know if I'm, I'm a, a giver. giver. I really now, love that. Me too, because it kind of puts the title in perspective for me. Of course, I, I read Giver, and I actually thought of the, uh, the book The Giver by yeah. uh, um, Lois Lowry about the the strange world and, which is all black and white and yeah. no one has any feeling and it's all cold and emotionless and everything. I don't know. That's just where my brain went. But then all of a sudden you get to this. I don't know if I'm a giver. And it's like ah, it makes sense. Now I, I, I guess it, it connected to me also too because I feel like I drift in and out of that feeling. Like there's times in my past where I felt like I spent too much time too much time talking to others and helping them through their problems and spent very little time on myself. But then you go hard over to the other side, the me time, you know, where you spend yeah. so long without helping someone towards a goal, and it's so easy to become detached from everything. So I related with this track pretty hard even just on those simple grounds uh, when it's applicable in my life. But, you know, that's it's, it's not a new message. Paul McCartney had the love you take is equal to the love you make, or, or as he translated to Chris Farley on the Chris Farley Show on SNL, the more you give, the more you get awesome! <laughs> right, but taking
0: it back to the song It's very topical here. Yeah, talking, taking back to the song itself, though, what I really like also about that chorus delivery is that after that moment we get a brief silence, and then the heavy bass line comes back in with a synth crash, and then we go back into how the previous verse had sounded. But what was really great here is that flow from verse to pre-chorus to chorus displays a lot of emotion too, but you get the sense of sadness in the plain delivery of the, the verse, then the pre-chorus has this kind of melody to it that almost feels hollow and Mm -hmm. then by the time we get to the chorus you almost get this defeatist feeling of like you know i'm trying to be better i'm trying to be a
2: give but i don't know if i'm a giver like kind of almost giving up actually it was the pitch change in the pre-chorus that i particularly liked i think it set up the chorus extremely well to allow you to have that kind of uh, emotional gray zone of what the the chorus's message is uh, the the pre course has like that just pitch upward with mm-hmm. a little bit of edge on it that is both emotionally uh, a positive like it's it's conveying emotion very well not yeah. that it's a positive emotion but that it's doing its job extremely well and also is showcasing her range and showcasing some control that I think was. A little bit deadened by the verse, a little bit too much. But I do, I,
0: but I do want to comment in just really quick on how you said it, it's it's sad and it's not there isn't a happiness there. I think there is a monicum of happiness in the chorus,
2: just in the fact that she's trying. It that, but that's not what I said. I said that the chorus was a wishy washy gray area. Okay, that's fair. It All was right. it was the negative emotion of the pre-chorus, that, that right. kind of pitch bend. Got it. Feels like a little injection of maybe, maybe just. The negativity from being at your wit's end. The negativity of not knowing where to go. Right. That is precisely what caught me. Yeah, the 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 last syllable. The chorus has that little little burst of hope, yeah. I yeah. want to say, in, in that she's she's trying to be better, yeah. in that she's learning how to give, but that dour, that sadness you get left with at the end of it, the taste of, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm and a giver. And it starts
1: to bring me back to her uniqueness as a vocalist. You yeah. just don't hear that as much, that slight little, again, it's on the brink of recipe and yet extremely feminine, but yet forlorn in that little, yeah, the pitch bend, the this glissando tendency in the very last word that i'm learning to live, like she turns it from now on i'm doing it from now on i'm calling that husky husky with pitch but you you had it right with the yeah. pitch bend yeah. the, like that's the key thing that makes this kind
0: of inviting to me what I really also like about this song is when we get towards the end, there's this bridge moment as the track builds up, and then the final it's a, chorus. It's almost like a
1: flute solo, around like two minutes and 15 seconds, which is followed by the bridge with the acoustic guitar. Right. And then the chorus, when it comes back at the very end, we uh, modulate, essentially. She
0: just goes up. She's yeah. shouting it almost at very, this point.
1: Very industrial at this point. Yeah, I think which, we all kind of went back
2: to 90s. It's yeah, that very was, thick. That was yeah. a Tret Reznor move, and I'm, I'm totally saying that as a compliment. Compliment, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the bridge I want to it's in two frames of mind for me once again I, there's a lot of division on this album because I like that it's it is acoustic it, it introduces the beat the clap and goes full over the progression but I thought you hated the clap <laughs> well, no 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 I hate I hate uh, insistent clap this isn't insistent it's complimentary but this sort of a move of doing a rebuild it's a very well-done rebuild, but it's the sort of rebuild I've come to expect. Right. Especially when we're talking in the frame of reference of something that is heavier in nature, something that is grittier and and, and thicker in nature musically, which is industrial rock. But Tip- But the fact that it's... Something we come to expect. I think it was still executed expertly here. That's why I'm on both sides of the fence on this. It's like, yes, I knew it was going to
1: happen, but at the same time, it happened very well. Yeah. For what it's worth, I see exactly where you're coming from for all the times in which I've criticized Ben's, like, fun for doing this all the time in every track. I think it's just at the end of the day, it comes back to context always when you do it all the time then it loses its, its its appeal on me. This is a, a rarity on this album in having that, is it the single? I didn't check if this is the single, but come on. No, it's this be. isn't this is this is one not. of the singles. singles really, that's played. surprising. Well, it's structured like one.
0: Um, um, but yeah, it's that kind of, kind of final forceful push at the end of the track that gives you this impact before we settle down for the beginning of the next track because the next track starts at a
1: low, a low darker place Track again. three, Blood in the Cut. This All right, it's... Baseline, it's in baseline intro, yeah. It's simple, but it's kind of neat. It's that, like, 60s... Doom, 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 yeah. doom, doom. Doom, 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 Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I usually do. He's got it down now. Yeah, I the got uh, Yeah, that's like a 1960s bass yeah. sound, almost. Very clean. Um, now... The vocals here, this is where I was sold. Yeah. It's like, so there's no more on the line at this point. This is where I got exactly what she's doing. I'm and it's very, right there with It's you. a very similar kind Welcome of thing. Welcome to me, guys. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. <laughs> we, we have more arguments to come, don't worry. But um, the previous track, you know, in which we were describing that final little word of each and every phrase and how she twisted. this has been exaggerated. This is beyond yeah. unique now. This is a whole new thing. Um, and it's much more, like... For all my compliments about the previous track, it's still very much in pop structure and pop sensibilities. Not that this is absent here, but I do think that there was a lot more connectivity between verse and chorus that made this uh, irresistible. The the vocals really got neat as the verse segues cleanly into the chorus. But I need to read the whole entire thing for the context necessary. The boy I love's got another girl. He might be fucking her right now. I don't have an apartment. Thought if I was smart I'd make it far. But I'm still at the start. Guess I'm contagious. It'd be safest if you ran. Fuck, that's what they all just end up doing in the end. Take my car and paint it black. Take my arm, break it in half say something, do it soon. It's too quiet in this room. And ah, this this this, this part, I, I I can't even describe how much I love this. It's again with that little chromatic touch. The clean entry into the chorus here. It's too quiet in this room. Like, just going down step by step here. Half yeah. step by half step, rather. And this was just really, really tasteful. She yeah. needs noise. I need the buzz of a sub. Need the crack of a whip. Need some blood in the cut. And I'm reading it this way, of course, because those consonants. Yeah, they the
0: Yeah, the the C's especially hit like a hard K, like,
1: (laughs) yeah, which really
0: emphasizes the feeling of the pain of the crack of the whip of the, you know, the blood and the cut,
2: this violent act almost. In linguistics terms, it would be like K apostrophe, like two little things. And as as visceral it is, it also adds a layer of sort of dreamscape with the way her vocals have been mixed. There's a slight um, echo going on with it that is not present in the verse work that I like how it becomes almost a imaginescape. Like she's trying to envision like force on herself. She's trying to, she's going to a dark place. It's reminding me of something like Johan Vasquez. Kind of like artwork. It's all black and white. Yeah. And Johnny the homicidal maniac, which I believe we've referenced on this podcast multiple times, uh, where it's 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 visceral but yeah. still simplistic. I just need the buzz of a subwoofer. Yeah, yeah. I just need the breaking crack of a whip. I just need blood in the cut. Yeah.
0: This idea of pleasure from pain and the fact that it makes you feel alive. A lot of people who say they get pleasure from pain
1: is because it makes them feel the most alive in those moments. But I also but I also took it more in the sense that especially just from I need noise, you know, it starts with the, like, I'm going to sit here and ruminate too much, yeah. right? Like, like you need a distraction. You need the distraction. You know, I I, I think that, not to just... Say, I relate to everything here, but at least just in that one particular. I mean, I actually go back and forth. Sometimes it really is good. I almost feel like this is the anti-moral, because it is actually sometimes more healthy just to sit, cut out the the distractions, and work things through yourself. But that's just the idea here, is because of the sort of warped, you know, with that bass and everything, it almost Mm -hmm. feels like the music is more conducive to the anti-hero of this entire thing, the anti-moral. This is not what you're supposed to do, but that's where she is. It's the story that we've been given.
2: So we're having the music here sort of portraying a, a, a negative soundscape while the voice with that echo is coming off almost like wistfully, just, just desiring some sort yeah. of negative input to snap her out of this negative yeah. space. It It almost... It, it, this is a lot darker than I really intended it to be, but it almost feels like a, a, a desire for some sort of harm. It almost does. Right. Which right, is which reads. is a dark place to go to on something like this. Like well, yeah, my but, arm
1: but, break it in half. <laughs>
2: right.
0: but I mean but yeah, I mean it, it's it's doing an extreme of, you know, either BDSM or this kind of thing where you find pleasure in pain, like I was saying before. And I think it's interesting because also the way this track runs It kind of builds, and it it seems uh, almost like a numbing, I need a distraction earlier on, but when we get the chorus later on where it's louder, it's like she's yelling at you, there's more,
1: it feels like there's more rage or anger there. And just before that, the end of the second verse was, Take my head, kick it in, break some bread for all my sins, say a word, do it soon, it's too quiet in In this room, room. I need noise. I actually was also particularly impressed with
2: the post-chorus music, after that first chorus was was like a real industrial escape, but briefly and the way it comes back after that second chorus expanded upon, I love the fact that she previewed it so well, so the connection between them, which may not have been present without that little tidbit earlier, made it feel like we were actually seeing the the paintings of her imagination here. Right. We were actually seeing that 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 S&M kind of a feel right. that
1: come to fruition through the mu- music. And one of the ways in which uh, the, the music really kicks that up is, of course, it adds the secondary beat to that sort of one and three. One and three, it does that as of the as of verse two, with that just that big bellowing drum that yeah. amplifies what we already had described. It actually started to remind me a lot of a, a Tom Waits track off of Rain Dogs, Clap Hands. I remember that was the second track off that album, and it's just in sort of its tribal, very inward-looking kind of effect. It it was a very irresistible track. And I think also something
0: to support you know the anger in the final chorus. I think is the fact that in that bridge moment, that instrumental with the na na nas in it is very deadening like she's saying it very pan and very very deadpan and very emotionless almost and then
1: it cuts into this cacophonous final chorus with her yelling the chorus. Yeah, really energetic. I think the success here, again, is just the fact that this track, and not even describing like, all the little bits of color that are put in in post-production, it just keeps it so interesting throughout, and yeah, there is that giant build to more intensity than you had the first time around. Um, it it kind of highlights my problem with track one sort of in retrospect. I do uh, understand the track, that the album needed to build, but that yeah. is exactly the, the problem. Like, even if you just omit the fact that, you know, track one was not as intense as this. Again, I don't need every single track to be the same level of intensity, but in terms of musical involvement, there just seems to be so much more focus into the moment-by-moment stuff here musically. Yeah, I mean, I think that I appreciate the
0: arc, this- and the-, the arc, yeah, for sure, that this album's taking and how it builds. And I mean, it continues to build, because when we move to track four, Champagne, this is where we definitely get the darkest so far, you know? And what I love about her verse work here, because this is a it pretty much kicks in more or less very early with uh, very simplistic instrumentation and the first verse I like how visual this first verse is. Steve's gonna read it in a minute, but the thing about it is that you can picture where she is, what she's doing, because it's a storytelling track, and I always appreciate a good storytelling track.
1: And and there's an interesting little uh, layer that I noticed before the story even begins, and that's, of course, it, it sounds like it's taking place in like a mechanics workshop or yeah. something like that. Because there's this worrying. It, it sounds like a power drill, you know, that it's occurs. A,
0: a finger slide on a guitar <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it,
1: it, it sounds like that drills sort kind of sound. It, it sound. Yeah, it was hard for me to even see it as an instrument. Like once I thought, oh yeah, okay, of course, of course. strings and a guitar. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's it was amazing how it was able to sound like it was taking me into another location. But this um, part,
0: this first verse is pretty much completely
1: spoken. There, there's no sung way it goes. Champagne in the kitchen, not because I bought it, but because I'm crashing an apartment and somebody left it open. So I poured it in a cup, drank it up. I got the devil in my head, but angels swimming in my blood, plus the conscience of my dead dad. Plus my living mama, plus my other father who raised me, not to be sad, and my brother who says he worries about me from my songs, and my sister who's been living like a saint for so damn long. But see right. that that hitch yeah, that you course. do, she does that too. I love that the like a saint for so yeah. damn long. Like I love that to remember Hilla it. I, to
2: remember it, I wrote a carrot. <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
2: <laughs> there is a couple of moments where she actually showcases a little bit of uh, just just. Points in her life that are getting to her, and I think a point like that that. actually does a lot to showcase issues she has. Like her sister's a saint, but she's a saint that it it it's one of those it doubles back on her kind of a moment. It's like, but she's not right. Later on, she's got a line at the end of the next verse because it goes verse 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 chorus verse. This is actually just like this is this is showcasing hip hop talent. Yeah. The, it, it ends with, but everybody's got pieces missing. Yeah. I can't even do that sort yeah. of a squeak. Um, <laughs> just just showing that she's got those pieces missing. Yeah. I love that control of inflection. That does a lot to tell the
1: story with just a word. And it's, let's talk about the way in which you described uh, the progression of this track. Yeah. Because verse, verse, chorus, verse, mm, tricky. Tr- very tricky. Like, the p- section that I just read is sung. It, it feels sung maybe with a little bit of attitude in there where there's not as much importance to, like, the phrase pitch of it, but it's still very regular. Start stepping that up a little bit with the proper rap that follows it immediately, which I still see as part of the entire verse one structure, which is a complex three-part verse. Yeah. And so the second part here, the rap, while I've been fucking sitting till the lights come up and mics catch us saying shit that we never really meant, crew wears all black stuff, but we all act like we're so different, but everybody bleeds, right? Everybody's <laughs> waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah, everybody seems fine, but everybody's got pieces missing. There you are. But then the, the third section, it the mind-blowing. Yeah. Each and every one, it, it is still a rap, but the, the only regularity here, despite being at the pace that it is, is that it, it all seems to be on just 16th notes. Each and every syllable yeah. is a 16th note. Here it goes. At minimum, I'd like a little medicine to make me feel like everything, diminishing the venom that's been harshing all my mellows. I'm continuing to fight against the sentiment that makes me want to die. In a world full of uptight gentlemen, i little off here. In a world full of uptight gentlemen, I want to find a boy smelling like sweet cinnamon to quote some Tennyson while we take Benadryl to make my head a, a, l- a, a, a bit extra light. But what I like about that last that's line, a, and, she, a,
0: and John was pointing this out, that those lines where she goes up, there she doesn't go up. She goes down
2: and it distorts actually, that line. She does it twice in this yeah. section of the verse with sentiment that makes me want to die. A slight slowdown, almost to that second phrase speed. And at the end, to make my head a bit extra low. Just that ever so slight slowdown. And then we get into the chorus, which is, there's
0: definitely a sense of frustration and anger here because she says, she essentially says the chorus the first time and then the second time she's screaming the chorus. And it, it's this
1: kind of controlled screaming where you know that there's a sense of rage behind it. It's that I feel it, I want it, I need it, I love it, I'm looking for something to make me feel nothing. And then she and does it
0: again, but with even there's more... No, there's
1: no instruments there. Yeah. It's just her. It's, and that's, that is chilling. That yeah. was another one of those you know we we throw it around a lot but we again we're picking albums that of course the first person has is the advocate for so yeah. of course it is the bone chilling moment and I, I i needed a little more of that but this was this was one of the highlights of this album right here when and because i almost felt i almost felt what i felt during all the way by diamonda Galas. Mm. Um, and maybe some of the things that you didn't want to hear. Yeah. Some of the things that you're like, oh, that's a little too much. That's yeah. a little, ooh, ooh. Because I felt uncomfortable when yeah. she started getting more intense. Because there's a breath mark at each and every time yeah. she does that. I I feel it. I want it. I need, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh. She's getting riled <laughs> up. It, yeah, I feel like I, I need to almost, like, put some distance a little bit. Be like, it's it's almost gone beyond the, like, oh, I'll make you feel better a little. You know, I'll, I'll put my arm around, but it's like, this, is, this was intense. But that's what I want in music. It's one of the reasons why, retrospectively, I defend All the Way by Diamanda, because of the fact that I believe music should break those boundaries. It should break all of those barriers in terms of what you expect or desire, or
0: don't desire. And what I really like about the way that chorus finishes out is that when we go back into the verse again, there's there's no loss for speed at this point she's keeping up with what we had seen in part 3 of the first verse and i appreciate that slide right back into the flow and it continues to move this song if you blink, you could miss it, because it really
1: moves fast. And and I that, love that. Honestly, that, that whole entire section, and even the later section, at minimum, I'd like a little medicine to make me feel like every... This is this is just satiating, that, uh, that kid in me who memorized I am the very model of a modern major general. Right, like, yeah. That, the same exact, all the 16th notes, all of it. I would... But I still want to make an argument about this, and that
2: is that this is four verses with one chorus. And the only reason why I want to bring this up is because... They, If you really break down the syllable by syllable and the composition of the line by line, they are written very differently from one another, and um, with other multi-rapper groups, groups that actually have multiple center stage kind of a thing, or when we have a guest, like in last week when we had guest interjection in between 2D, uh, still doing verse work, you would actually count them as separate verses. You really would. Uh, one of my favorite rap groups, or rack rop groups, or I don't really know how to term them anymore, is Flowbots. Grop. 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 Uh, is the Flowbots, and they actually have two different frontmen, Brer Rabbit and Johnny Five. And when they go back and forth, they don't go from verse to chorus. They go, okay, one does a verse, the other one does a verse, and then they'll pick and choose who's going to do the chorus this time. And they are distinct verses. So I think in, in a lot of ways you have to actually take each of the verses as separate messages on top of them just being... Uh, a a continuous train of thought or something like that. Otherwise, it can feel a little bit wallet-texy, which is a problem I actually had when I was first listening to this track. Whereas I didn't have that problem at all. Because the the speed tick up and the way it
0: was really riling up emotionally, I was on board from the whole for the whole track. Also, there's a lot of strength in this track in the pauses. There are these moments like when she repeats the chorus, you know, there's silence, and then it goes back in, and we get those brahms in this track that really ring out these horns. That really add this really thick darkness to the track where yeah. you know she's in deep. This is this is a drunken freak out, this is a drunken rage, and it's it's set up to be that way. And I think that's what really engaged me. So I'm on the same page as Steve. I thought this was this is definitely performatively
1: for sure one of my favorite tracks. It's the same industrial kind of musy sort of thing. Yeah. It, it's feel it's it's touching all those same nerves. Let's go to track five. High enough the backdrop is pretty interesting, and of course, it, remi- it sort of changed, uh, changed influences here a little bit. It wasn't as industrial to me. It felt more of a kind of standard indie rock, but mm-hmm. in a certain corner of it. This, this reminded me more of, like, Queens of the Stone Age or something like that. It was the kind of saunter that's in the voice that felt
2: so different from the previous few pieces to this. Yeah. I don't like anyone better than you. It's true. That little that little yeah. breath mark that she throws in between everything like that. It felt more crooner. I felt like she was channeling um, some some old school kind of allure now, using her husky voice in in the real old school nineteen thirties nineteen forties like lounge setting. Yeah, and I loved it right away
1: I'm, because I've... it was uh, once again another side of what I'm, I'm coming to recognize as a very enjoyable voice. This is an area where the music had actually taken a little bit of a back seat, but at least by this point there was not as, much, um, not as much disparity. Like I had grown so attached to her flow by this point that it was pulling a lot of the weight because I realized it is pretty damn flawless. But I, I do think that I was a little bit on the fence because of the fact that we just came from such a musical high, um, and interestingly this track is called High Enough. It, it's it's going for a different thing. It's not that it has to reach the same, you know, glorious climaxes per se, but rather that it's kind of going toward a more laid-back place, as in high enough, you know, high on something, and thus you're actually not full of energy, you're just kind of, you know chilling out. There's a lethargy to the song that I really
0: appreciate because it fits the overall narrative and that the song is all about being high enough on your lover's influence that you don't need any kind of other drink or beverage or pot or drug. But what's also really interesting is that musically, it stays pretty steady with the bass line throughout the intro and into the first verse. By the time we get to the pre-chorus, the, the beat work and the bass work is gone, and it's just bass. And then from the pre-chorus to the chorus, the beat comes back in too. So it kind of returns to one after leaving it in a very short period of
2: time. It actually reminded me of uh, the like the first two albums of Cage the Elephant, and the way they would bring in the choruses, where you'd have like a slow descent into sadness, but then pick it right back up, right on that first line of the chorus where, Mm -hmm. because I'm already high enough, just rise at the Mm -hmm. end of that and make the impact of the words and just just pleasure, trying to really portray an idea of pleasure right from the get-go, even if the pleasure in my eyes was a little bit perverted. And this is where me and Matt had one of our bigger disagreements on the overall feel of the track Mm -hmm. because the way Matt phrased it was, you don't need anything else because you have your lover. Mine was, I don't need anything else because I have you. Not more possessive as opposed uh, to... John's coming uh, from a place of
0: obsessive. There you go. Whereas for me, I'm coming from a place of joy and fondness. And I think really what what it is, is I, I think it could be either or easily. She leaves it open enough and kind of lets you determine from the lyrics. I mean, what I think I really like about this song is that it's supposed to be spun fairly positively from my perspective. Take it from someone who um, has felt this way about a person, does feel this way about a person, but also I don't drink anymore. I don't do any kind of drugs. I'm fairly straight edge, as boring as that is. And so for me, I take it from this perspective as I don't need drugs, which she says that line specifically in the song, I'm already high enough because I'm high on you. And so that's
2: where my perspective is coming from. But I'm going to be stubborn on this point, only because I I see a connection between High Enough and everything else we've gotten so far. I see a major theme, a major story really coalescing around these tracks. Uh, From Giver onward, Dreamer does a lot to set up the story, but Giver shows a major flaw with this individual. Whether it actually is Kayflay or whether it's just a personification that she's... She's exaggerating. Here, I just see a character. Someone who has a major flaw in being unable to give. To to only knowing how to take. So, as we go from Giver, Blood in the Cut, and and the sort of inner demons she's dealing with, Champagne and High Enough are that taking aspect. Champagne is, is, seems like, outright theft. Outright just stealing from others to get high. And High Enough feels like it is that... That descent, that fall off into a, a, a negative place. So when we do get to that chorus and that rise in it, because I'm already high enough, it feels like that that downer pre-chorus was the lull right before that major injection of euphoria. That she really is is personifying drug use for this love of a person, which to me... I, I don't know a way to take that as a positive. Like, there's a little bit too much theme work going on right here to my ears. There's a little bit too much story developing here that I can't really see it as as, as a positive light. I can only really see it as there's a negativity going on here that she needs to latch on to someone, that she needs a way to get that euphoric feeling. And instead of it being drugs or alcohol or Theft or something like that, it is an individual. I will meet you halfway
0: by saying the way she refers to how she used to need drugs and now she doesn't need drugs because she has this person does have a hint of anger and resentment.
2: It's that pre course I really see it in. I used to like liquor to get me inspired, but you look so beautiful, my new supplier. Referring to yeah. a loved one as a supplier, it's it's phrase work here yeah. that's keeping it from just being my lover, my everything, my all, yeah. which I, I think is the point of view you're taking it from. Yeah. But when you're describing it as I found a different buzz in you, a buzz, yeah. uh, a supplier, like the the turn of phrase is just enough to, to, to view it as just a pure addiction as opposed to a... a a growth or a replacement of it.
0: I, I'm I'm seeing where you're coming from. I don't know that I'm quite there yet, but I
1: definitely I definitely hear where you're coming from, and it's not impossible to pull that from this. You know, musically, I'm not exactly sure where I sit either because there are some musical references that may or may not be, you know, on your side, John, or your side, Matt. I really don't know. Like, there was a, a bit of a vacant moment in right prior to the bridge, like mm-hmm. 2 minutes and 31 seconds, where everything kind of simmers down, and then around 2.40... It's like, it's like a lazy afternoon in the desert or something. I mm-hmm. can't tell whether she's at t- complete peace here or whether there's still an ominous thing lingering on the horizon, but you still got that thump, thump that persists. And then also other little things, like in the second verse, I noticed she adds little, like, bits of color, like, the climbing scale, I, I forget if it was a chromatic scale, or maybe it was something else, but it, it's like always used to show someone climbing a ladder. I think it was a chromatic scale, climbing a ladder, you know, do and they use that a few times, like she's getting, she's climbing, she's it's getting higher, climbing. but I don't know whether that's, I don't know if that's positive or not. I guess it's just a staple defect.
2: Actually, that um, sort of desolate feeling, that deserty feeling, I think is a preview for uh, a track that's going to be coming up, but. I feel like in a lot of ways, the theme I just built really gets interrupted with the next track, Black Wave, because while I saw a very personal story, and while Black Wave is still a very personal track, it felt a little bit different because it is a social commentary and not a continuation of any sort of story work that we'd already gotten. But let's put that on hold for just
0: a second. Talk about her vocals here before we even get to the instrumentation, because a little, um, trick, fun flair that we've been talking about, she does here where she does a vocal rise. She does it at the end of almost every line in the verses on this track. But that's been the
1: same for many, many cases so far. It's always that last syllable, last line, But less now word. instead of
0: doing it once, maybe in a whole verse. Or, or at the end of yeah. a verse or something now like that. Now it's
1: the whole verse except for a couple of lines here or there. Black wave coming, will it hit? Hit. I can taste the fear. Yeah, it's written on my lips. Yeah. Sipping on a cold one, waiting on the rinse. Woke up with an omen, tatted on my wrist. Um, well, obviously, the black wave coming, yeah, I don't think that this is full of tension and ominous stuff. One For one thing, the ominous bass that always ends on the minor third here. Yeah. There's a lot of tension there in every single phrase, which, again, coincides with that little raised vocal thing. Um, it's it's interesting it's not as uh, it, it wasn't as invite or like as uh, inviting as some of the previous instances in which she used it but I still kind of enjoyed it uh, well what I really liked about it is that she's using it in a
0: different way here because those four lines you read wrist is the only one where she doesn't do it oh, my and right. then she does it again black wave coming will it drop yeah, okay. you know and then goes back to it again um but i believe and then the final line of that fire in my bloodstream water in my lungs she doesn't, yeah, doesn't do, it. do it right but you know even on the uh, who are you going to trust when the killer is a cop like she does it for all those lines except for that final one in in both four line chunks which i think is a really kind of a cool switch on it and then she goes into this slow meandering waiting on a black wave running in a rat maze and that pace continues through the chorus until the final line and it feels like waves crashing to me like i really feel that kind of cresting feeling the way
2: she's delivering it Mm -hmm. actually i saw it a little bit differently but in a similar vein Uh, the verses felt like they were trying to build up to a release that wasn't quite getting it which is why you had those those high pitch bends at the very end of each phrase except for the Ending of those four-line blocks. Right. So here is actually the pressure is is receding in the chorus without an, a release of it. It's sort of, I don't know how to take it. It's almost like the swellings going down on the emotion of the verses, wow. which ironically felt a little bit more deadened to me than the choruses. I felt like they were emotional, but the choruses were were surprisingly. Intense for being kind of passive. Yeah, see, I, well, I agree well, with
1: all that, but see, there, it's interesting you mentioned that, because I'm not sure if that really, if there's a, a, a crisscross with one of the reasons why I actually felt that chorus is being a little bit detached. Um, maybe that is just the reason. I Like, it felt like they were two separate ideas, two separate, I mean, and they really shouldn't. I mean, you have the same content there in the verses you do in the chorus, Black Wave Coming, Will It Hit? It's just one is anticipation, and actually, now they're both anticipation. Um, but yet, this, the delivery was just just so different. And I just thought that was a little bit of a musical detachment that was difficult for me to kind of see them as intrinsically connected, like one of those mismatched verse chorus structures that we used to have in, in times past. I had that a little bit here. That said, once it arrives, I do like this chorus quite a bit. I, I started to even hear shades of, of as tall as lions, uh, which touches a, a nerve for me. One of the reasons that last word of the phrase even here, but it's, again, it's a little bit different, running in a rat maze, right? Like it's, it's just a slight little It's like a pitch bend up and then back again. It's not just the single, well, it is a pitch bend, but it's just, it's in both directions, a little parabola there. Dan Black of As Tall as Lions used to do that, and I really, really miss it. Granted, that's a very personal reference and not very specific, but. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, and also,
0: I think where I can kind of come together with John is it does feel like there's this latent bubbling underneath it because when we get to the final line where she screams, stumbling down the street, I swear to God, you don't want to test me.
1: Then and we hit this industrial. That's-, that's the release because then we get this industrial crash where we just get this every rock out moment. And see, that transition made perfect sense. Yeah. And also, that's a really nice, like, just tying together her style. We had that in the last track. We have that here, you know, yeah. in terms of that singular moment. It's a little bit more intense the last track, but it really. And- it's the same concept and, here, just a, d- a different story. And, Don't test me like she's telling us. She's telling everyone around her that. It, it felt, you know, it put me in my place. Right. And what's interesting is we're getting a, a something
0: that we used to make fun of very early in the early days of this podcast about, like, a passionate mo- you know, a, a passionate and sensitive moment or vice versa. But here, there is that moment of kind of passionate and passive in the beginnings of the course. But then you get that aggressive blast at the end into this aggressive and heavy run. Rock moment. It just flows so well and then goes right back into it again to do another verse like the first and I love that. I love that kind of circular nature of this song. It works really well together.
2: I was actually particularly impressed with the way verse two led into chorus two. I was just about to mention the same thing. Because that, you might have had a hiccup in the first pairing, but here, like, I saw nothing. It was a beautiful flow from one to the next. It
1: works because, well, look at the the first one worked. Fire in my bloodstream, water in my lungs. Then into water on a black wave running in a rat maze. A Little bit more inflection thrown in the last line of the next time, right? The second verse into second chorus. Hold your breath, hold your breath, Count. Counting one, two, and there's this breathing, this breath marking with each and every syllable here. Again, just on that final count. uh, Counting one, two, as she goes into waiting on a black wave. As if she's hitting the water. And again, that was more in vocal delivery. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say musically, I would still have the same problems, but the vocals, if you focus on them, they, they tie this together. And the content, because we have to be very careful when
2: we're talking about social tracks. We always do. It seems these days. But here, I like how it is, argumentative it is passionate but it's non-confrontational it's not actually against anything this is this is for something this is for a movement with with a little bit of hope in it well yeah that I, i i i was kind of unexpected well and also i think what's really
0: good about this track is that it it shows that she's not even sure there are lines in the verses that show she's not even quite sure where she stands you know, or where she should be, or what she should say. Yeah. Like, there's this indecisiveness. To get, the, to get
1: the elephant out of the room, who right. you going to trust when the killer is
0: the, the cop. cop. And, like, it's just... She's not blaming anyone here. She's sharing her confusion, her fright, all of this stuff. And I think it's very face value, which I really appreciate here. But I, I like, that I moment
2: like... of anger is what really gets to me, because... It's
1: not against anything. It's just that pure frustration, explosion yeah. of in, frustration that everybody seems to be feeling in these fact, days. So. I need I need to read the, the, the full second verse here because of the imagery um, which is really stronger than I think we see in, in many other cases. Black wave blocking out the sun. Baby when you go down, ain't no coming up. Thought that you were safe, but nobody ever was. Choking on a diamond. Poison in your lungs. At the end, guess we're all just animals. At the end, is it all just greed? When the ocean crashed down, who are you going to call, hold your breath, hold your breath, counting one, mm-hmm. two. So, just the choking on a diamond, I thought was pretty interesting, yeah. and that you've taken this beautiful thing, and that you're choking on it, it's it's it's, it's an act of, uh, it is your, your enemy. Yeah. Um, It is the poison in your lungs, and we're all just animals in the end, is it just greed? All these questions, just constant questions, and yeah. to me, that isn't, like, I've said this before, that they, to me, are the more successful social tracks, because they show a little bit more just awareness in terms of the Let's just breathe for a moment and figure this out on our own terms because we're not going to get a singular answer from, or a surefire answer from one person. I also like the implied rhyme scheme. At the end is all just greed, hold
2: your breath, counting one, two... Waiting on a black. Just yeah, right, right into it. I love doing stuff like that, screwing with your expectations, because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be three. It should have been three. Three would have rhymed right. close enough. Eh. But no, no, I, little tricks like that are something that I actually don't
0: hear too often. Well, well the last time I can think it was 21 Pilots in, yes. in um, the track "Blurry Face," where, you know, he says something about not rhyming, but and also not rhyming with the line. Yeah. Which is, you know, a fun way to
1: kind of Jabba, uh, you get it? Kind yeah. of moment. Well, that in, that particular album, remember, was a lot more uh, self-aware of the actual writing process of sure. the thing. We, at, at least that's not relevant mm. in this song. We do it right. in a couple of other areas. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I see your point. And, yes, I found the part. It's at, at the end, is it all just greed? And then you go two lines down. It should be one, two, three to greed. Um, that should be the rhyme. Greed, yeah. Greed, yeah. three. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> track Wait. seven, Mean It. Uh, this is... At least started off in the same kind of moderate pace for starters, although this is more of a slow 4 4. Uh, but it's it's even, it feels a lot slower than its moderate tempo lets on because of the fact that the accent marks here are just a steel acoustic guitar that kind of swings and slides from the 4 back to the 1. 1 4 1, right? And the inflection, once she starts singing, is kind of interesting because you could feel it almost. Like it, it, it's this is sung again. It's not, it's not hip hop. It's not in that territory. Uh, but I, I still found it kind of alluring in its own way. I was because of course the story is sweeter. I was born next to my mother. She sang me to sleep, and I grew to adore my father as he drowned in a drink. And I know that I should be grateful for the things they taught. I was raised to be so damn faithful. I didn't need a god time is crazy. My grandmother made up a lie of her life. When she died, well, she gave me a necklace that came from the sky. Said my grandfather made it out of gold and a diamond that always reminded him of what life could have been. So, the the story fits the
0: pace. Sure, and it's also, it has a very lullaby quality to it, which with the sweet tone is very easy to kind of Wrap yourself in if you want to. You can hear there's a grand butt in my voice, though. Yeah, (laughs) well, it's a warm... This song is a warm blanket. And for me, I kind of was eager to wrap myself in it, I think, because... I, I'm in a place mentally where something like this really speaks to me yeah. and it may not have literally anything to do with her specific message it's just it's a very thoughtful parent and parent adjacent
1: message which in m- m- this point in my life right now resonates with me very strongly yeah and and just uh, to complete the thing I started to say about the inflection it's more that the, it, it, the her her Turn of phrase. In other words, again, just in the way she says certain syllables, you almost sense that right there, there is just some borrowing from hip-hop inflection. Yeah. But it it is sung. It is sung. There's almost like a nursery rhyme uh, feel to this. Yes. Uh, It comes off as maudlin. Yeah, it it is maudlin.
2: And I feel like it's a good response to the previous high enough which is why as much as i enjoy black wave it felt like that was a little bit of an interlude between the actual story this this feels like a great continuation chapter wise for high enough but see, because it's that chorus that shows up it's the chorus of so when i say i love you i want to mean it cuz i say a lot of things that i don't mean i have a lot of love for that idea but it hurts because Because
1: I say a lot of things I don't mean lacks a lot of impact. The chorus did not do much for me here. That was kind of unfortunate. And going back to just the initial, you know, the the big butt hanging over this track, which I do agree, John, you know, that this, yeah, for the position, seeing as we're winding down from a couple of uh, high-intensity tracks, I think I, I... respect the need for this track and its certain pace, its certain tone, but I find myself kind of falling back into the same traps that I had for track one, you know, defending it that, well, we had to build up. You had to build up before you kind of die down. But I, I just... It, it's more of a, a... just a personal belief that tracks can be relaxing without them necessarily having to be boring. Now, I know you're gonna say, Matt, it doesn't feel boring to you, but there are some things here that feel just a little bit mid-road, and it, it, it is starting to show me at this stage in the game, track 7, on on a 12-track album, that she, her best stuff really is her most intense, you know, angsty stuff. And I like a lot of slower, fast, slower relaxed music, it's just, Usually it's because of some other things. You have to look in other areas of music, other areas of your, of your palette, like color and all that stuff, which I just was not finding as much here. It is There's a heavy reliance on that 4-4 four, four steel acoustic guitar thing. And that did get a little bit tiring at a later point in the track. And so my argument or defense for this track a, sonically, we are getting something different. We're
0: getting a steel-stringed acoustic guitar, which we've not really heard yet. It's and, and that was a nice change. Also, considering how intense Black Wave was, of, of all the songs we've had, especially sonically in the instrumentation, is definitely the most aggressively loud. And so this was a nice pair to it. I, I, I admitted all of that. Right. It's just the speaking other stuff. To the, speaking to the lyrics and why I'm defending them, I think is because, again, people can be of differing ages or even similar ages and being at different points in their life. I think, for me, the reason I latch on to the lyrics of this song so much just beyond saying they're sweet and and trigger words like that, you know, nice, pretty, that nonsense, it's already been said. doesn't need to be said again. I think, for me, the fact that she goes from singing about her parents and her parents' parents to then singing about her own child really... Resonates with me in a way of, you know, kind of passing down and moving forward, especially considering what John brought up about just if we take and I concede to John that he was right in high enough. This song hits me even harder now that I think about it. I wish I had my video camera for you to concede a point to me. (laughs) There's an impassioned... We have a microphone, it's good enough. Yeah, but I wanted to look on his face. The Uh, pain showing up right there. There's an impassioned feel to this song that...
2: It's almost like she's realizing the mistakes she's made. Which is why I think Maudlin is like the perfect descriptor I can come up for this. It's that self-pitying kind of sentimental point of view. One that's usually brought on by like drug use or alcohol abuse or something like that. Where you get really drunk and you're just bemoaning life. That's why I see it as a step from High enough to mean it. I feel like this is a, a bit of a come-down moment after that that saturation of the rush of love where she's coming down off of it but she can't quite – she can't say love because she's not sure if it's still part of the high affecting her. That's, that's the connection I'm seeing with this storyline going on, which is why – that impact being missing for me on because i say a lot of things i don't mean the way it's mixed just feels like it doesn't leap forward i wanted that to leap forward because that would have been a great crux to just focus this whole
1: track around that i felt like was was the piece that was missing well verse two instead offers a lot of hope Hope to die next to my daughter, let her sing me to sleep, having made the mistakes of a mother, still I taught her to breathe. When you're low and you're deep underwater, stay faithful, remember what you love, so when the world gets painful, you become your own god. I could daydream, sit back and think of a mythical life, but the seasons change, and the tragic thing is you can't live it twice. I try to be brave and tell her that we'll meet again, that we'd met before, but I'm not really so sure. And the only thing I would argue is
0: that those courses are not meant to be the impact point. The impact is supposed to be in these verses and how powerful her lyrics are. I see what you're saying and I understand where you're coming from, but I disagree. I think they have just the right amount of impact to pair with these powerful verses.
2: But I, I'm, and while I agree with you about the lyrics being an, uh, the focal point of the message, uh, I don't feel a lot of impact with the verses as a whole. From the point of view of the music supporting it,
1: that's that's the real. I'm the moved real beyond thing with that for this. Mm, I, yeah, I can't. There is no. I'm not beyond, there yet. There is no. Be, I, it, mm. You can you can take that stance if you want, but this is back to some early arguments here. There is simply no, you know, standing above the music for me. I I do believe that there are times where the. It's a ratio game. That's what it is. It really is just a ratio game. You know, I I do think there are times where music can take a little bit of a back seat, but it it needs to be in the face of some kind of grand delivery, grand story that does really transcend the album. I'm just not there yet. I am not there yet at this stage. It's kind of a status quo in terms of her vocal delivery, and it is a little bit of a status quo in terms of her opening up in some sense. There's been that earlier, there's just more of that here. And the music takes, I think, a little bit of an unwarranted uh, dive back down. The instrumental is not much of an instrumental at all, it's just her going da-da-da-da-da-da. I I, I don't never believe the music should merely get the job done. I admit, though, that it achieved just that, and I can at least. I, I can I can focus on the things that you are focusing on. I'm just not blown away.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm my defense again is that sonically it delivered something different, though something not mind blowing. It was something different, and I appreciated that after Black Wave. And again, I the only place I disagree is I feel like the vocals were enough for me. But I hear you. I, yeah. I definitely know that this isn't a mind blowing track. I think my enjoyment of it is what carries it. It's not necessarily the quality of the track, per se. It's my connection to it, gotcha. which is fine. Let's move on to track eight, Hollywood Forever. And we actually get, so a lot of the tracks had started with either a heavy beat or some staggering bass work. This we actually get a strummy electric guitar intro to bring
2: us in. Another close mic experience mm-hmm. going on right yep. here. Um, it does get paired with, I I wanna say like Typical is the wrong word, but ty- typical is the word I'm going to use right <laughs> now. A typical hip-hop beat. The sure. sort of thing I would actually see as a normal pacing tool.
1: Yeah. It's, again, it's still in the moderate mm. pace, just yeah. a little, you know, a little bit more... Uh, pep than the previous track, but I guess the pep is really just and only just the uh lyrical delivery here, mm-hmm. Hiding ding from mirrors, right? I'm fry of sex, despising my image, I'm enlightened and slightly obsessed. So of course with all that i like that scheme, hiding, mm-hmm. frightened, despising enlightened and playing with that little i yi yee. I like that infection. But it, it it was interesting that this was so so brief. Like it's a it's a such a brief verse all things considered and i guess considering there are four of those lines it's a nice scheme can get a little repetitive even though four lines is hardly enough for it to get repetitive still it's a very early chorus that i thought was a little bit sudden for this track so we dive into in the dark everything it looks better whoa (laughs) hollywood forever hollywood forever in the dark everything it feels better um and of course there you know it's you get the thumps. We already we even kind of had the thumps and the dun-dun-dun-dun every, uh, every 16th note. There's, there's a lot of just, I don't know, repetitive motif. I'm surprised the figurations are not uh, being as experimental as they had been just a few tracks earlier. It that was, was disappointing.
2: For me, it was actually a little bit difficult to discern between verse and chorus because there's there's a, a very subtle change between the two. In fact, when we go into the second verse, I'm scared I'm a loser, there's actually a much bigger difference. It's a pickup, and it doesn't really change anything, but there's a much bigger difference between everything that came before, the verse and the chorus, and the second verse. But even that kind of perpetuates into the second chorus, so it's almost like they're being blended together together to the point where, yeah, I recognize in the dark is the beginning of the chorus, but it doesn't feel chorus It feels a little bit blasé about it. I mean, for
0: me, I think because the choruses had been so standout-ish, I kind of like that the choruses blend here. I like that it feels like this block of fear and unknown. Essentially, the track is about uh, coming to grips with celebrityhood and being scared, unsure, confused, intrigued, all of the things that come along with it. I think the fact that you're having that distinction problem, which I didn't, but I think also by the time you get to the second line of the chorus and you know what the track is called, you know it's the chorus, blah blah blah, cliches, but I really kind of got sucked into the fact that the flow was even and that you could kind of rock and sway with it. I liked that. I liked because she hadn't really done that before. Yes, on the whole, it doesn't feel very, I think, standoutish and original. I but believe I- she hadn't done that before is where I'm going to
1: disagree, though. Where? Where? What other track had? I believe she per- did that as of the very first track. It's kind of how I describe it. When at any time I said, you know, it wasn't really committing to the full hip-hop things, your breathers usually are in between the raps, kind of a more even sway. But I feel like, instrumentally, there was a bigger
0: shift in the first track, whereas here, there was not. It stayed fairly even. That's what I'm talking about. Just consistently
1: about. from track to track yeah I, I, maybe the first time she did that, but in this case for the same argument that you gave in the last track, I, you could argue that that steel acoustic was the first time it appeared. It doesn't necessarily make it as it, it doesn't make it as inviting to me. It just makes it it's a different choice. It's a different choice for for a pop track. And one of the big factors
2: that I think really cements the the kind of place that I think me and Steve are at is the bridge and the way the bridge becomes super thin, just pure acoustic, the final chorus has impact only in respect because the bridge was just an acoustic guitar because the final chorus is merely chorus 2 there's 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 minor musical changes but that's the only time it felt like something hit me i kept waiting for a hit so it was it was just the same pat on the back i got previously only because
1: i was denied it just before it well let so- me curb it back a little i'm not going to just you know, bass this track up and down, because I do think, it just, I more have questions. I more have questions as to why certain, you know, musical elements had not followed some of the lyrical elements, which indeed do get extremely personal. I already read the part, I'm hiding from mirrors, love that imagery, frightened of sex, despising my image, I'm enlightened and slightly obsessed. Next verse, I'll just read the verses here. I'm scared I'm a loser, aware of my face, my father was a user, and I'm afraid I'm just the same. Um, I used to be so confident, so sober and awake, I never thought to act devoted and ashamed, wanted to call my ex to hear him say my name over the phone to me. In a house on a cliff on the coast, while I prayed to my god with a toast, said a cheers to the reasons I've been at it all evening, all I wanted was to never get old. On a bed in a room with a key, I was reading a rag magazine, said a cheers to the demons who've been with me all evening, all I wanted was to never be seen. It, it, it's, like, it really, really works as poetry, I just, these are so, they, cut like a knife some of these things and I just feel like the music does not do enough to bring those things out. Exactly. I'm ex- I'm right there with you.
0: Whereas the reason I would th- say that it's at least thematically conveying in just the way it should is because coming out of Mean It, which is a sobering wake-up call, Literally. Literally, literally so- sobering. This is the stagger after. When you sober up and you have to look at the life in front of you, there is this kind of
2: bland haze as you wander through the fog, trying to wake yourself up. I'm a little upset because you're using my theme against me, and I was going to make that same argument. So, why I, I do still, at the end of the day, like this track? Right. But I, th- I think that. But, but let me finish up because you already stole that part from me. I, I still gotta. I still gotta say I'm starting to get a little bit jaded at the fact that I. As great as the musical mixture was in the first five, six pieces, I'm starting to really miss it because I feel like at at times she's using the music to very heavily convey the theme of what's going on without experimenting with the music itself. I probably would have enjoyed something that was a little bit more on that heavy industrial we were getting because I was totally rocking out to that. Even though it might not fit the message here as well as something that really is kind of placid and backdrop. I
1: enjoy this track to the same extent and feel the same things to the extent that I was feeling very strongly what she described when I called the number on the album cover and pressed one. That's a poetry game.
0: Sure. Okay. (laughs) I, I can't, I can't, I will argue in circles. I think that for me... Going back to something like Black Wave is not going to
1: happen. Black Wave exists to exist on its own. I don't think we were ever going to get that heavy again. Period. <laughs> well, I, I, I wish said, I could say. I wish I could say that we're going to move to a more lighthearted track. Um, at least in, in just in the face of it, it looks like it's going to be something a little more wry. But it, it's, it's not. Pretty topical. So track I nine, say, the tra- the president has a sex tape. I would say that track eight shines to me in
0: comparison to track nine, which I wasn't as much a fan of. So the president has a sex tape, has. It's like all baseline. It's like all fucking baseline. One, nine, but, nine two, nine three, nine. but besides that, the, the interesting thing here is essentially this this song social commentary like track 6, but here it's more focused on our state of political affairs and the fact that what do you do when you're numb discontent and almost detached from everything around you. And it's delivered in that way. The thing that's interesting to me about about it vocally, but I don't know that I actually agree works per se, unless we do the art versus blah, blah, blah thing, but I'm not getting there yet is that the vocals do feel very detached here. They feel sure. very numb. They feel very disinterested, which yep. a lot of people feel when discussing the current presidency, <laughs> and so I think
1: that's what it's meant to convey. I do feel this particular topic, I many. we're going to see no shortage of it in the next right. uh, four to whatever amount of years, whatever, but it's, it's the, the approach of it in music is probably not going to cease. I am going to be a lot more, I'm going to be scrutinizing it a little bit closer, I guess, in terms of the delivery of it. Uh, you know, again, I, we, I said this just recently, we had a success. The success for me was Drunk by Thundercat. Right. I felt the detachment there. I felt it was clever in, in ways unimaginable, both, both musical and lyrical. Uh, we had a couple of others just recently. Gorillas kind of touched on it. That's yeah. right, just last week. And yeah, this touches on it too. Let, Alright, let's look at lyrics. Let's see how she approaches it. The president has a sex tape. The government sold you drugs. I'm just trying to get paid, but nobody's coughing up. The president has a sex tape. The medicine made you cry. Hush, don't worry, because I'm bringing a mask. Yeah, everybody's got a disguise. The president has a sex tape. The ocean's all dried up. The devil got the dealer. The dealer got the dollar. Don't tell me I can live off love. The president has a sex tape. Your daughters aren't safe at night. I got a feeling that my body is owned, a feeling that my body ain't mine. Yeah. Look at who's having the fun. Easy to smile when you're pointing the gun. The president has a sex tape. The immigrant died at sea. First they come for you, and then they come for me. And that's repeated.
0: I mean, I would say that the poetry, as you're reading it, is more powerful. Is especially being a woman and the line about my body isn't mine. like yeah. yeah. Per- pervasive in the news today. I think there's a lot of impact there. I will agree that the numb... D- uh, detached delivery of the vocals, you do lose a little bit of that. Uh,
1: this is I where, this, John, this is where with your earlier comment, see, I, I wasn't a, a afraid to mention the thing earlier when he says, you know, what do you do when the cop is a killer and all that, you know, yes, that's worth, that's worth saying. This is a little more challenging, only because, of course, in, in tackling this, it, when I come forward with the concept that the music is not supporting this, right, it sounds like I disagree with all this stuff. Yeah. That's not the case. It's yeah. not the case. It's a matter of the art and the delivery and what we have to kind of focus on at the end of the day. Sure. Um, being that we are a music podcast. So it's many of the same arguments, really, that I just had the last couple tracks. And I always feel a little like a jerk every single time because the last couple tracks was about personal stuff. And this is about, you know, national issues and things that people are very concerned about. I just, it's it's more like a journal entry in this case. Yeah. Well, I think this is belief, not
2: fact, and that's most of my rants on imagery. But I believe it's actually trying to get around the idea of information overload and gluttony and how it's desensitizing us yeah. to yeah, for sure. the conflict. But most importantly, it's talking about how the only time we, we truly will start feeling is when we're the ones being affected. Right. That's the crux of it in those last lines. First they come for you, and then they come for me. Yeah. It's the only time it's affected because that's the time where the music actually really does try to take yeah. a take a step up, really tries to get like, energized and everything like that. You get the like howling
0: that. a bit. The, oh. Yeah, that's
2: the point. That's when you actually get riled up is when yeah. it's affecting you. So this blasé nature... Is obviously a negative, and it's in the final lines that I'm understanding that it's supposed to be portraying the negative yeah. of the information gluttony and over that we have in today's yeah. society.
1: And yeah. also, again, well, with as an artist, there should be you know, some level of authoritativeness, yeah. I suppose, in terms of what you're saying. But I also do like the open-endedness. I like the yeah. idea that there are more questions out there. But a lot of people don't respect that nowadays. A lot of people don't respect the open-endedness because they see that that waiting and delaying as being the very thing that caused the problems to begin with, and that we should all be a little bit more proactive in our stuff. But on the other hand, I think a lot of times that can be very overly confident, you know, and it it, it, it assumes that the, the few sources that you've read have been the be-all, end-all, and that's going to inform your decisions that you'll make for the rest of your life— these are the kind of things that a track like this makes me consider, it yeah. doesn't make me necessarily like the track. It makes me more just like, oh, well, th- th- I'm watching the news right now. It's more like a, uh, like a series of bullet marks. And it's exactly the way I feel actually with this track. It's more like um, from one line to the next, and in no particular order, so don't try to match it up, because we're not going to go into each one of these things individually, but this is what I feel. It's more like, agree. Wholeheartedly agree. You say it, girl, and then the next one, eh, maybe debatable. Right? And then the next <laughs> one, uh, well, there are two schools of thought on this, actually. And then the next one like this is how I, mean, I take a track like this
0: i mean i will say the only thing that gives us strength to this track is the fact that this is clearly her perspective and her opinion she's not trying to placate or 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 this is her talking about the state of the world and how it affects yes her and so that gives it some strength i think that as a whole though i lose a little bit of it because of the music not really supporting it that well mm-hmm. do we
1: have to just do that thing that we hate doing because the whole point of us doing this is to avoid this sort of thing and just say, hey, it's left up to interpretation. I mean, yes, I guess, but I, I, I... Or rather, it depends on who you are. Yeah, I
0: think it's it's less about interpretation and more about just taking it for what it is because it's not trying to be anything else but clearly what it's stating.
1: I'll say one little co- thing with confidence and that musically and that is the fact that the little pre-chorus that was belatedly thrown in here, look at who's having the fun, easy to smile when you're pointing the gun, was a really random insert.
0: Yeah, it was kind of very separate from the rest of it, yeah. it and it was the most hip-hop part of it.
1: Yeah, um, but that was just really weird
2: musically. Yeah, And actually, I want I want to touch upon that, like, that was one of the only hip-hop parts that we've gotten in like four or five tracks now. Yeah. Which is weird because you kind of sold this album as a alt-hip-hop or an indie hip-hop album. And like a third or less, I really see a lot of hip-hop influence. It's weird that I'm kind of seeing this as a industrial alt-rock album with elements of hip-hop and elements of mainstream pop thrown on the inside of it, which I'm really liking what it's producing. I like that it's just heavily borrowing from different areas while keeping a general feel of that kind of gritty, industrial, effed-up nature that the character has really been portraying with us every single track. So I feel like the theme and the music are kind of married together. The the, the but last little... Yeah. My <laughs> butt is the next track... It's just a lot because I don't know what's going on right here. Even though I do like it. I do like this track. I want to start off with that. But I feel like she's Taylor Swifting it up. That's a compliment. That is a compliment. Well, right. But it feels like we're going out of left field because a lot of the identity I just explained, while it's there in the vocals and the person, the words... I don't think it's there in the music. See, well, I would argue that her claiming that she's taking a
0: turn a turn from uh, Taylor Swift is not that bizarre because a lot of Taylor Swift's music, the more impactful, emotional, and well-written ones, are born out of angst or frustration or sadness. You know, she writes a lot about heartbreak and all that kind of thing. And so I think that's not unfounded because she also writes from a very personal place or makes music from a very personal place. And this track... It's called It's Just a Lot, and literally the whole song is about how everything is a lot. It's how she feels overwhelmed with the world, her music, her life, her relationships. And I think the way it's delivered, I'm okay with because I think that her feeling overwhelmed and it kind of just spilling out into this track, it seems to work from a, a arc perspective on the album, I think from a thematic perspective perspective
1: on the album. I don't think it feels so foreign from anything else we've got. I feel like I inferred the overall arc just from reading track titles. Yeah, You know, before sure. I even had the album behind me. But, let's look into it. I never knew the sky could burn a hole into my empty head. I never knew a smile could turn us into enemies instead. Oh, the never-ending bliss of moments that you missed, returning back like waves for second tries at luck. The luck you didn't have back then, but now that it don't matter much... It's easy, love, and strangers acting like your oldest friends.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree lyrically and content-wise, she's a good wordsmith, and she writes from a place that feels... I hate using the word real. uh, Writing from a place that feels authentic. It It doesn't feel like she's... You know, I I understand that John keeps referring to a character, but I'm pretty convinced at this point this is her. She's writing yes, about her. I don't want to put words in her mouth. Fair enough, but
2: I'm she I'm does that herself convinced. if you call it the telephone number. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but here the, this is reading like a Taylor Swift diary entry. The, no, still complimenting, still complimenting. It's a little bit of a different identity from a lot of the other lyrical work. The Inflection is still, again, on the similar side, but slightly different with that slight build at the end of the verses. Again, we're getting an echo in the chorus, but this is a little bit different of a kind of an echo presentation in the chorus. There seems to be a lot of things that are very similar to what she's been doing. So the identity is not completely lost. It sounds like there's a lot of growth with this person. Yeah. But... I feel like intervening steps
0: are missing. Well, I think, as we talked about, the whole second half of this album is kind of a struggle towards sobriety and understanding. I think this track is really that realization moment. I mean, when you say it's just a lot, if you're saying that to a person, you're kind of confessing that you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to handle it and it's just a lot and you're at a loss. And so I think progression-wise, it's still continuing that way. I will say that, instrumentally, I'm really starting to feel what Steve was feeling a few songs back here for sure, because, like, the beat is almost unending throughout the whole track, which is that kind of pop, very even Steps beat. Steps right into that second verse. The guitar work here and the bass work reminded me and, and John, and Steve has a bit of a different take, but me and John of Glycerin by
2: Bush because it's that, dun, 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 it's very steady. Or it felt like the timbre of Glycerin, but it felt like the broken nature of like lightning crashes Sure live. It felt, felt like a combination of the two ideas, which I believe Steve
1: referenced the melody of Oh, I was uh, going for L C D Sound System tribulations off their uh the self titled L C D Sound System album. I um, th- it t- was just just the again that boxy bass synth yeah. kind of guitarist oriented thing. I don't know. It and uh albeit maybe at half the pace. Nevertheless, that's kind of where I was at with this. It's again, an interesting shift, but not such a far cry from the industrial stuff we had earlier. Right. So
0: I think the meh. thing that makes this track feel the most in the pop vein, at least as we've talked about it, is the fact that this is the first track we're really going, well, it sounds like this, and it sounds like that, and it sounds like this. And it Which, was, when I
2: brought that up on the gorillas, same idea. It was most heavily in the chorus for me. That yeah. one, It was. it was a little bit too smiley for this album, I want to say. It felt like it was a little bit too happy see and i would disagree i think it's a forced smile it feels like you're pushing the happiness see that's i guess i don't feel it being forced it doesn't feel unnatural it feels like she's naturally smiling at this point yeah which is great from the point of view of the character but i i don't understand how she could have hit that smile with everything
1: else that was going on at this that's, point. that's why i think it's a faked forced smile but ah. i hear what you're saying let me read just the two verses I should have seen the signs. Clovers started dying on the field. I shouldn't be surprised when all of a sudden it is real. Oh, I tried to write a book, but I misunderstood what I had seen, and so the story made no sense. And stories all depend on whose perspective you prefer. Is it an eye or is it her? And does it matter in the end? I saw a film and cried because beauty has a way of crushing me. I took a pill and sighed because I've done things against which I believe. Oh, I think of you at night. When my mind won't stay quiet, and I've got someone sleeping peacefully at home. But peace don't reach my bones. The sadness still remains, and though I sing the same refrain, it all amounts to no one knows. I love it. I really do. I just, I love it. I don't know why this is not getting me in the music. I don't This is just, it's complicated. I think, like, most of this track, if you would just take the music, I feel like it is surmised in terms of the, it's just a lot. Yeah. In terms of the title. I feel like that is... it's oversimplifying it, but it only is because of the fact that the the music represents only that one line and it does not do enough in the moment-by-moment stuff to bring out the detailed story. Yeah. And the detailed story is always more interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of this album I'm I'm just unfortunately taking as poetry, which is still a huge component of, you know, our review. Uh wouldn't have been so in the beginning of the series. Thanks, John. You're welcome but but <laughs> but you know, it is not the whole kit and caboodle. Track eleven, You Felt Right This was if Taylor Swift was in the previous track, this
2: felt like R. Kelly was being channeled real hard right here. I, I'm i not against R&B, but one element that was missing in this track was the industrial element and I, I've been searching for it this entire time we've been reviewing this album. This track and even the next track, it felt like we got a completely different person. From the lyrics, we met on Wednesday. In the summer, it was blazing. You looked at my jeans and said, are you crazy? I guess I might have laughed. Like. Where's the conflict? Where's the character? Where's the conflicted artist that we got previously? I'm not saying terrible that somebody is now all right in a good place, but I was totally digging conflict, and I feel like so
1: much of that is gone. Are You're missing the, something I need, very I need, important I need here. to bring this in because that's really funny that you you know are now sort of harping on something lyrically while I have just been kind of re-delivered something musically. And that is this, like, experimental figuration that I had a hard time fitting to really anything, honestly, it, it, we're really reusing uh, imagery heavily here, just over the course of many episodes. If you listen to previous episodes, but I'm going to fuse two of them. It's like the Doppler effect on one hand, but like a Doppler effect on a steel drum. Both of which we use separately. I don't think we've ever used them together, but this is like steel drum Doppler effect, and it's cool. It's like something TV and the radio would have done in their early days. It's something uh, that I'm I could pin to a few other things. I just I, I can't pinpoint them right now. I'm just going to forget all that. It's unique. I don't really believe it was furthered by the time you get to the chorus, but I was really thankful that it was there for the verses. And I just want to come back in to talk to something that John was saying, saying
0: that, you know, he's a little confused structure-wise, but remember, this track is called You Felt Right. This is taking place... She's yeah, singing yeah. in present tense about something that happened in the past. She's putting herself back in the moment of something that happened before. So that's why the tone is different and feels like a different character. Because it is. Mm. It's past her. In which case, the but, music is
2: probably being used for this
0: uh, almost flashback yeah, exactly. kind of feeling. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But I would argue that the representation in everything else on this album was still her. And... It it felt like they were also the story of how we got to this point. So if that was... Th- those previous tracks, like Blood in the Cut, felt like that's what she needed in her life in order to feel something. This is a feeling that has nothing to do with that feeling. Like, if this past experience... Created the blood in the cut.
1: How? I, I don't understand that. Well, it's not a huge stretch it, like, if you consider that the last, like mo- most tracks are written as if they're journal entries in the present and this suddenly zoomed in and you got a cut scene clarifying it. But it feels like it's it's a little bit too much of a vacuum without any of the present coloration that was
2: marring the previous tracks in, in, in a way. Like the rose-tinted glasses were cracked. Here they're fixed. Everything is very very wholesome in a way that I I don't feel that music. It doesn't feel wholesome. It
0: doesn't feel wholesome wholesome at all. And also it's a story. There's no metaphor here. So many of the tracks were steeped in metaphor and allusions, either musically or vocally. This is not, this is her telling a story. I peeped into an interview about this track and she says it's a storytelling track. There's the only track with, there's absolutely zero metaphor here. So saying that you feel that there's no character is accurate because she's telling in a different tone here. She's not trying to color it in any way, create a character, if you will. There is
2: no metaphor here. This is fact what happened. Which is a disconnect for me when it comes to the overall theme. It, it's a real big change in the presentation of what the story is. It's like going from first person to third person all of a sudden, three quarters of the way through a book. It, it no. changes. No, no it, changes, it is not.
1: You it's should, changing my no point one, of No view. one no, no, would no. want to read a book entirely in metaphor. That would be exhausting. James <laughs> Joyce.
2: Yes. Yes. James, James is Joyce. My point. That's is my Exhausting. Point. But that's. <laughs> but it, it's still a change. That is a little bit of a disconnect for me in the overall progression of the story. You're You're talking it up as a major change in the style of storytelling. Well, I'm saying that for me, that is a big negative because it's breaking the flow of the story itself. And I will only disagree,
0: for me, that it doesn't do that because the first track is a foreshadowing to
2: this track. And that's where I see a connection. But... The foreshadowing is so much darker than this is made out to be because this, while it has a sad because she's sober, there's mm, no influence, enhancement, depressant. It's just fact. But if she's sober with such a negative connection to it that it went into this self-destructive downward spiral. Why doesn't the story seem like it would have led to that? That's my that's my question as because far as I'm sto- going. Because like the this st- is it's be- a weird place to be, but it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect in the overall flow. And this, I think, for me, is is primarily in the presentation of the music. The music does feel like it's taking a sharp turn away from the first eight tracks' theme work. The first eight tracks, like, overall texture feels so much different from what this is.
1: But... uh, I don't even know where to begin with all that. Uh, First of all, I think that the music, again, I want to separate it from verse to chorus. Love it in the verse. Don't know why that wasn't further than the chorus. Whatever. But I do think that the lyrics that you find in the chorus are the reason for why the music is so mysterious and different in those verses. Because... It, it, is like the, it is like the summation, even though this is not the last track, it's the penultimate track, it's like the summation of this album, in a way. I am always in the wrong place at the wrong time, headed on a bad trip with the wrong high. I don't really know why, but you felt right to me. I haven't had a good thing in a long time. Moving in the fast lane with the wrong guy, I don't really know why, but you felt right to me. I... I, I there's nothing but sympathy here, at that point. The whole, haven't had a good thing in the wrong time, you, like... I feel that the last uh, eleven tracks or so, or you know, the ones that specifically concerned this sort of, it's different aspects of where she's at in life, was just sort of looking at one little thing at a time, and this kind of sums up as to why each of those things, you know, were manifested, why yeah. they were true. This is just the, this is the singular reason, this and is the verses explain to... the back. The they go back to the beginning. We have this is not the first time we've had stories like this, and this mm-hmm. is a look back
0: to the previous with a moment of clarity, and I feel like track 12, slow march, is the moving forward beyond this point. After you've had this sobering moment of realization and understanding of your past, slow march is meant to represent that next step, the
2: way to move forward. I'm totally in agreement with this. I I, I know I've been quite a bit of a naysayer on a lot of this sort of stuff, but my reasoning behind it is that, while I do think the final track, Slow March, is sort of the inevitable outcome of a conflicted individual coming to terms with that conflict, which is how I view this album, as as a great character progression. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I'm still missing a few steps, because Slow March is... It feels like a really sad, but not quite really sad, pop track. It feels like it's a very reflection-oriented track, but... With a lot of silver lining around those darker clouds. I love that. I really do enjoy that aspect of it.
1: I just... I'm still kind of scratching my head as to how we got here. I just don't see the disconnect you see. What? Backtrack, backtrack. Let me me read the last thing, the last verse of that uh, previous track. Wrote this on a Sunday after months out on the road. Wonder if you have regrets in which direction those thought to go. Like, was it worth it in the end? Sometimes it feels like you just used me for my mind and innocence. And now I heard you had a kid, finished a book, and got a wife. Things have been good to you since that last goodbye, but I just had to say my piece. You should have known, don't trust a poet, because we know how to speak. Uh, It just doesn't
0: feel disconnected to me.
1: Because she even brings it back to the present. Maybe the whole entire album was not directed toward, you know, the someone, whoever they are. But I do believe that they have been manifesting certain aspects of her condition in the aftermath of that. The Not the breakup album, but the post-breakup album. The condition. Yeah, this the condition is more about... The condition of moving on and how one should and addressing the person in question.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And I feel like Slow March is the resolution to that. I think that Slow March is... The moving forward, the growing, the understanding. I mean, musically,
1: I would agree that... Oh, I can't even... I mean, look, I just... I, I'm clearly at the biggest split at this stage in the game, which is just amazing how disappointing that is considering tracks uh, really two, three, four were, like, incrementally more interesting. Then after that, there's just this... It's not, like... It's a stagnation. No, it is a musical stagnation. It happened a little earlier uh, for me than it did for Matt. Um... Which is why I'm still very glad he brought this album because there is so much there in that early portion. and even all the way up to the end, we continue to get this this story. But yeah, musically, by the last track, I was really hoping it was gonna just give me something to latch to, to latch onto like tracks two, three, and four did. But that's it's not really there. It reminded me almost like, uh, what the latter day TV on the radio did, which is not yeah. my favorite time period in their uh, history. There's an indie rock feel to this yeah. track. Um, we the, get LC- a- the LCD sound system sent the boxy bass thing that was there in the last track. It's still kind of here now. And then, of course, the upright piano interlude. Yeah. Aw, did it really, uh, it's cliche, but you know what? Still, I liked her vocals here. I liked her vocals over that, and I wouldn't put that down for anything.
0: Also here we had an instrumental chorus with some ooze over it, which I mean is not something we've really had. We've had hints at that before in certain songs, but here it really does take the focal of the chorus the hook, if you will. There's a guitar solo, but it's so faint under the rest of the instrumentation, right before that uh, piano breakdown, that you can't even really hear it. And it's not a, a show off guitar solo either. It's just you know, playing with some notes, and there's a, a flow and movement to
1: it. But I'm a little disappointed that that gets buried in the background. And, and also, I want to uh, repackage something that I said because I think I may have misinterpreted or just said it wrong. I described the last stanza of the previous track you know, as sort of sum- sum- summating the album. And it does not summate the album. This track summates the album. The last track provides the reasoning for why all of the earlier things exist. Yeah. Um, but the last track is what sort of bo- it boils down to. It's been a slow march, slow march, waiting for a reason to move, which is actually... N- incredibly connected to the earlier themes mm-hmm. that I really, really loved, such as, in track one, Dreamers, uh, and the idea that, you know, you can you can move beyond certain things, but the means by the means to do so is not by, you know, sitting there and hoping and waiting and I guess doing what, I mean, perhaps a lot of writers are guilty of, you know? There is that sense where I feel some of the conflict that she's had about herself has it, the things that she loves about herself, you know, and that she just said at the very end, you, you know, I should have you should have known not to trust a poet because we know how to speak, but I think the same thing is you can sort of be so in your head there that you're not moving beyond, and the last track wants to address that, you know, head on. It's been a slow march, waiting for a reason to move, you know, but you shouldn't wait for that reason. Waiting for the flowers to bloom, it's a direct return uh, uh, call to the beginning. It's been a slow start, but I know I could become, I know I could be somebody new, somebody new. And it was interesting that, you know, just when I had heard that the first time, when I was listening to this track, and I heard somebody new, somebody new, I didn't hear the full line and it almost rang to me of like that 500 days of summer kind of aspect like there's gonna be someone else new on the horizon like it's that over you know waiting for the next person in your life the next stage yeah and that's kind of emotional but nowhere near as emotional as what she's really saying which is I could be somebody new and that the album really is more about. Your next stage in your life and mm-hmm. how the better person you could be could help you with not just the next relationship but with the next anything the next hurdle that you have to overcome. So it's a beautiful theme, but I, I, I can't say anything more for the music that I've already that I haven't already said. I just, uh, I have to be reading along to this album, and that's just really unfortunate.
0: I mean, for me, I think the only saving grace above that for me is that the vocal delivery and the lyrics keep me engaged even when the music doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't? Oh,
2: as much as I'm poo-pooing so much other stuff, like, she's still an incredible poet and vocalist. Like... And I think, you know, it's a little bit of a
0: cop-out, but essentially, yes, even though the music leaves me wanting sometimes because of how great her vocals are and how great the words are, I'm still engaged in the album throughout, even in moments where it fails me a little bit.
1: All right. I will go first. johnny has been going first a lot. I'm I'm going to let him breathe. (laughs) Are you going to take a bullet on it? Yeah. Thank you. He's going to fall on the sword as well. I feel like I said a lot just now because in not being as specific towards Slow March, I kind of readdressed the album. And a lot of that stuff is just still really there, you know. It, it's This is the tricky thing with re- reviewing albums in general, or just listening to albums in general, is that because they're partitioned by track to track, uh, when there's not some kind of great magnum opus that binds them all together truly where, like, every track seamlessly flows into the next and, uh, just it it's not here considering this really does I, I think we were having sort of an argument earlier on I maintain this still is a heavily pop album at least pop structured it has all the pop structure there it's got the hooks it's got all that stuff to snare you in individually spliced radio play when I, I I do hope she gets that radio play she deserves it um but it's it's the problem of there being you know such a a, a disconnect for me in terms of not the way each track sounds, but the way I fall head over heels for track to track. Because, all right, track one, I started off kind of like on the fence, loved some things about it, almost feel like I was impressing some things upon it, being that I couldn't discuss the track without having listened to the album already, as we did. So I wanted to kind of preview some things, but the, the track one was not wholly I- I- enjoyable just the first time round. But... It it was amazing that streak of tracks two, three, four, really, and and it, it kind of even held true in track five a little bit. You know, there was a lot of a, a lot of leeway granted as a result of hey, that was an amazing climax we just hit there. So yeah, absolutely, chill out for a little bit. Um, I'll mention it, I'll be a little harsher in the review, but really I didn't care as much until the later stage in the game. Who's just shocked that this album did not pick it back up at some point, you know? That there wasn't the the, the sense of it sort of dragging a little bit musically. Now, I, I can't really say much more to the theme that I haven't already said. I think this is not something that would have gotten me years back. Because I guess now I'm a little bit more keen... To pick apart not just the lyrics that I think are great poetry, but also in sort of that way that I kind of used to shy away from, being like, man, this gets me. This gets me. Yeah, that's it. I'm there. I'm right. I'm right with her. Um, that's very personal. It's going to change from person to person, but she's being very personal, and I do think that she writes this in a way that it's not so inward as to be isolating. Like I don't feel cut off from this, and I don't think most people will. Like, I think that maybe is the greatest talent that is present throughout this entire album, is because very often we do find ourselves it's either one or the other. It's either it's either, yeah, that's beautiful poetry, or this is an incredibly personal story, but I feel cut off of it from it for some reason. I think this actually has universal appeal while being so specific. That's pretty incredible. But I just cannot escape the music and I can't escape the fact that there are three tracks on this album that I love and nine tracks in this album that I'm reading. And I get so much enjoyment when I do read these lyrics. I read so much more on hip-hop because it's just so fun. Um, but it's, it actually doesn't even get as fun as you go later on. I don't think there's... I, I think the poetry maintains it throughout, but I don't think the flow uh, maintains its vigor throughout. Now, vigor may not be what she's going for, of course. There's there's so much, you know, There's she's beaten down. But why then portray the, you know, a track like Giver, which is full of doubt, with such energy and emotion, you know? There's doubt there, but yet she found the musical angle in that case, and it just wasn't there later. I, I, I don't know how to reconcile that. I, I believe, I always believe that there are ways. There are ways, if you look for them to try and bring the music to the forefront to parallel and coast alongside uh, the the lyrics to give to give us both sides of the coin at all stages and I, I just think that was a little bit a little bit lax there I'm not sure that was uh, artists intent in every single case or if it was artists intent eh, it's just maybe not my cup of tea it could have been my cup of tea had it been for the music and I can say that with confidence uh, for that reason Yeah, it has to be a little below the four for me, but tracks two, three, and four are incredible pop tracks that I think um, more of their like on this album, it could have been an upper echelon piece. Right now, for the sake of it being an amazing story, I'm putting it in the higher threes, kind of just in a general higher three territory of 3.75.
2: Okay. Okay. I don't want to be mean. I really don't, because I actually thoroughly enjoy this album th- pretty much through and through for the story aspect. Same, same reasons why Steve enjoys it. Uh, I, I love the poetry. I love the story. The vocal delivery is pretty much on point, almost homogeneously. The big hiccup that I'm finding, I think I finally have a way to portray it, There is a complete story right here, but I'm missing the one chapter where it explains how she moves past the conflict. That I'm still searching for. I don't know where she overcomes it, but by the time we get to You Felt Right, she's done so. So maybe that's just an aspect of her story she couldn't quite finish up, or maybe it's in It's Just A Lot in Hollywood Forever that I'm missing out on it. But there's so much self-doubt in those two pieces. There's so much angst that, we, that is still present that was there from the very beginning that with it being almost gone completely and you felt right, with, with her actually reflecting without any of the bitterness you would expect to be so important her, in her life, there so, should be so much bitterness in my ears and you felt right that it being missing I don't understand how that event could be the crux of so much pain she portrayed to us. That's my issue. That's what's missing for me. But it's a really good story that even the social tracks, which I think break it up, still portray the character. Even those aren't quite hiccups at the end of the day, breaking up that story. Yeah, they're kind of—I was trying to explain this offline— to Matt, but they're kind of like those random Monty Python skits you get during a major Monty Python piece. They're out of left field, but they still fit within the overall theme of a Monty Python movie because it's the characters doing their jokes and their portrayals the way they've already been doing it and the way they're going to keep doing it. It's just kind of an aside to give you a little bit of a breather from the depth of the story. I like that here. Even the worst tracks on this album are still pretty good tracks. It's sort of like what what I kind of ran into with Gorillaz last week with, like, my least favorite tracks were still very good for what they are. Same thing's going on right here. Uh, The the, You Felt Right and the Slow March, really, I felt like were the bottom rung of the music tracks, but they were still very well done within the area of what they were pursuing. So I'm not going to fault it for shifting on me and getting rid of the industrial sound in the first six seven tracks and it's a lot more than just two three four for me it's it's up to about seven that I'm just I'm really enthralled with it I just it was a little bit of a hiccup towards the end that that broke up the spell so for that I'm on the other side of the fours though not particularly high I'm at a 4.2 okay
1: just real quick before matt goes i I, I do believe maybe you're both being too kind and not being kind enough in in some sense one of those again another one of those things where uh you don't set it up to have been the rating that you put out
2: yeah i know but in this case yes
1: but the uh, two other things and one was the thing you said earlier on about how the theme was not answered in terms of how she overcomes and that is simply that's the bulk that is not true. Why it's... That is simply not, not true. But if that's the reason, well, all rights you should be at upper echelon. See, to me, your reasons are just a little bit flawed, to me, because of the fact that that is absolutely answered. It was answered in the first track. You just get solidified, and you're taken through the whole entire story. It and was that I, thing. I it was that rant that. that I went on about how. She did not know that she had the power all along to really change it herself. That pondering, petitioning, and prayer, and whatever it is, is not going to get you anywhere. And And she brings that back wholly at the end of the album i and honestly if if that's not explicitly like and and then i did and now everything's great <laughs> like that would have been a tacky track well, if she and actually all, said that and, and also in, i like the open-endedness of there being that big question mark because of course a lot of people say that's the correct thing i know that but i don't know if i'm going to solve that tomorrow well and also and something no, to, no, no no but in my my opinion it felt like she went and flipped the switch
2: but, to go and say Well, now I'm going to be the empowered person that I thought I was very early on, that I dreamed to be. I felt like it was a flip of a switch instead of an evolution of a character. And
0: I would like to speak to that because I think that still works. All
2: right. but Only
0: because some people do go through that. When you're emotionally growing and forgive someone and move on, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you don't even know when it's going to happen.
1: Sometimes you just move through that. And, and she did that here, and that makes just as much sense to me as anything else. All right, and then. Yeah. All right, so that's we've had our piece on okay. that. But then the other half of that is simply the fact that your 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 uh, concession to the music and your comparison to gorillas last week, I think, is uh, I I I can't even envision because of the fact that you know last week we were calling those tracks like. The bulk of the album good, you know? When it's not amazing, the bulk of the album is good with only a couple of tracks you're that You're right. Are, no, no, no. You're like, right. okay, okay to pour. We're and go, you're like most of these. Tr- I don't know. I just don't. The musicianship is. No, you're right. You're right. Leagues going to go down. I, I think I,
2: I, I've gotten a little
1: bit of rose colored glasses right now myself. So, actually, I'm going to agree with Steve 3.9. Yeah. Again, yeah, you're right. We don't have these arg- I, I kind of almost miss these like end of album arguments because it's less last chance. Really not for not for like it ego's sake for you to bring you closer to where I am. I'm just trying to, to let you, you know, realize your own arguments. You yeah. know, I don't know No, no, you had, you've made some very good points. I I totally actually yeah. agree with that. Matt might have skim in the game though. <laughs>
0: yes. Um I don't agree with you guys. And I'll give a few reasons as to why. For one I do agree with something John has said, is that for me, this is close to where the Gorillas is, and I'll tell you why. For one, I get the same kind of emotional impact from this album that I do from the Gorillas. I'm filled with joy, sadness, happiness, depression, blah, 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 blah. I don't have to go into detail on that. I did plenty of that when we were talking the album through. Secondly, I am nowhere near where Steve is. I think everything but The President Has a Sex Tape is solid to great. Um, in fact, I would say the first, Seven tracks are great. I really love them with very little flaws because there's something else carrying the track for me beyond it. Um, Track eight is where I start to see a little bit of the deterioration in track nine for sure. I've already said, besides content, I'm not really on board with that track. But 10, 11, and 12 are on upswing because it solidifies the theme. Also, I don't have nearly as many problems with the theme as John does because I'm looking at it at a 10,000-foot view. I feel like this is an album about Kay Period. Then, there are some tracks interspersed about things besides just her personal experience, like her relation to the world, which builds your personal experience. How you interact with your environment colors how you see other things. So they are important to this narrative. I don't I feel like they are sides, but they are relevant to the overall character and emotional tone of the theme and album. Which I yeah,
2: I totally Eventually, I agree with you on that one, definitely.
0: Um as far as arc of the album, she's kind of been all over a little all over the place. But that said, there are no
1: tones I heard at any point in the last album where I this doesn't belong here. Well it's a different kind of arcs, remember, and in terms of the arc that The experience of the album in terms of taking you through the rising action climaxes and valleys and things like that, that's one of the reasons I am am absolutely below the four. I just, I was waiting for the next thing and it never came. And to me, the end of the album is just a severe disappointment.
0: Well, and again... From the the musical angle. Right. You're coming at it from a very different experience than I am. Because I I think from the music, the uh, lyrical and vocal arc, it is solid as ever solid could be. I don't feel like there are really any flaws except for those few moments I expressed also I think uh, tonally it's pretty cohesive as well I mean yes taking a dip musically you could argue that and you wouldn't be wrong but that's not what I'm looking at here it's not what I'm getting out of this here I think I absolutely agree with Steve as far as the experience of this album the fact that she is delivering something that is both universal and personal at the same time is Absolutely and undeniably powerful something I can't even say for the Gorillas album last week because the Gorillas album Theme wise kind of jumps around quite a bit and as Gorillas want to do They're kind of a little over the place to begin with they, they make you kind of work to find their meeting, which is fine but I think uh, I grew a closeness to this record that really uh, left a mark and impact Beyond a lot of the other albums we've reviewed this year. In fact, I I rate this personally, higher than Dan Bull because while Dan Bull, I think, was equally as personal, I think musically, there are tracks where I just can't find I enjoy anymore. The one where he talks about his self-destructive nature and hurting himself, self harmor I can't listen to it anymore. I hit a point where, because of uh, where I am right now, I it's too real, as it were. Whereas here, There's enough universality and personal that I can kind of on the day decide where I want to connect
1: with it. (laughs) It's just strange to me. Music, I don't like when things hold back, and this album does not hold back. But, you know, for your reasoning why that particular track has not grown in you, it's just so interesting. Because to me, that track is is eternal in some ways for the sheer fact. Like, it may not be something you can listen to every day. You know, I I accept that. That would be harmful in itself. But I, I wouldn't. That's not a rating lower, lower It's something... not. I'm not saying it's a rating lower I'm saying this well, you're album's— Well, just that your opinion on that
0: track has, has uh, waned. It it has changed. It doesn't change how I feel about the album. It makes me better understand how I feel about other albums, is what I'm saying. Dan Bull is still brilliant, and I still love his work. I just think K-Flay has, first of all, has a vocal talent and tact that I've not heard anywhere else before, and I really enjoy. And secondly, again, me personally, I can forgive a lot of the places the music wanes because I feel like the track has other strengths in other places. And so for me, I feel this is definitely in uh, the the right in the midpoint of the upper echelon. For me, this is absolutely a four point five. I think that it approaches the upper echelon because she's trying unique mixes of things and interesting strengths and weaknesses. The fact that It may not be an all-out alternative hip-hop record as far as it's not just hip-hop, but I think there are enough alternates to hip-hop to make it interesting. Whereas her cadence always still seems to carry somewhere within the hip-hop vein, even if she is singing or is, um, you know, just speaking. The cadence is still there because it's still her voice. It's still her emotion. It's still carrying Kay Flay.
1: Well, I'm going to say this. This is pretty amazing. This is the first... Uh, <laughs> this is what I knew was bound to happen the second we had changed the rules to go back to the advocate versus um, you know, versus the other two. That someone brings it not just to be like, hey, let's see what this album brings, but brings it to say, I love this album. I have reasons. They are prepared. Um, I, I, I can see that your mind was more made up in this case. Uh, <laughs> it's just... Uh, this is more a reflection of the early part of the series when there was a little bit more ego involved, um, where there wasn't as much open-endedness. And not that this is necessarily a result of ego, it's just that I can see the neurons in your brain have kind of locked into place in the course of this album. And I am almost tempted when you say some of the, like, for some of those points that you raise to, like, you know, maybe bump it up a little bit. I like Again, I, I was the one who mentioned it, and you saying it back to me, it almost seems like that universality versus, or rather working in conjunction with the personal presentation is something to really push it over the fore. And I consider that, but then I feel that arc, which for me, again, is sorely lacking, or rather peaked far too early for for its own good from the musical angle, and I just, I know that for that reason, I will probably not be listening to this album in its entirety ever again. I think that this these lyrics, seeing as I do save my lyrics, I type them in advance and I have them in front of me alongside all of the lyrics, I'm going to be keeping this file and I'll have it there to look at and to read, and for that it has kind of, it is kind of warming my heart, it's just... The songs themselves do not do anything more than my reading gave it, and that is the disappointment that keeps me below that four. I can't even really give it the the closer to four thing for that reason, because it's just... Too few,
0: and you reiterating that only strengthens my rating and where I stand because I've listened to
1: this album almost every day for two months, and it has not waned on me. I've grown to love it even more. Oh, it's a pop, it's a pop album, and I'll get. You know what? I will consider it. Yeah, despite that, I say that now, I, I have to. I will be going back to this album just for the sake of the year in review to see right. if, in fact, it does do anything else. But so I will say, but I will say that you're absolutely right. I think bringing an album that you've sat with
0: for more than. It's why I was such a big advocate for Gorillaz as well, because I sat with that one for over a month before I brought it on. You know, I think the longer you sit with an album, it's only going to strengthen
1: or hurt your relationship to it. Well, I had a friend, and this is uh, what I'd like our topic to be. I I had a friend who said to me once, well, if you sit with any album for more than a month, you will, of course you're going to grow to like it. In other words, he he was sort of a a little bit on, on the edge. He was worried that, you know, he would have rose colored glasses just Mm -hmm. in the sheer fact of conditioning we've talked about conditioning before but this is more just in the sense that can you is there such a thing as actually having art lie to you Having art lie to you as a sense of becoming so close or comfortable with something
0: that you don't see the flaws in it anymore. Yeah, I suppose that could be true. I mean, let's talk. If we talk about another medium for just a second, if you get an experience from a game or a movie yeah. that no one else is getting, say for example, um, the few people, yeah. John, who likes okay. Batman vs Superman. J- John, in that movie, is ignoring the
2: flaws in it because he likes so much of it. No. I'm not ignoring the flaws. I think that the positives involved with it are leaning it ever so slightly above the negative mark. Okay. Like, I'm... Don't That's get me wrong. fine I don't love the movie, but I like the movie. I think right. there's a lot of good things in it that people gloss over because of its flaws.
0: Right. And so with media, I think even music, we're capable of doing that. I mean think about when we why we shifted away from doing older albums unless we're specifically setting out with a goal to do an older album. but like when we have guests come on, we're trying to egg them like ourselves to bring on more recent stuff is because when we encountered the Beastie Boys, me and John didn't see any of the flaws. And I would still kind of lie on a hill and take a bullet to say, I still don't think there are really that many flaws. However, Steve came out to that album with pretty much a fresh look, because even though you were familiar with a lot of the tracks, you had not listened to it nearly as much as the rest of the three of us, Schaefer and the two of us. I had never listened to it front to back, ever. Right. Um, And so I think I, I, I would openly admit that a classic album like that might get colored by that.
1: But then think about this. How familiar are you with The Beatles? I'm pretty damn familiar, maybe not as much as some like really heavy hitting, you know. But uh, you would
0: say you were nostalgia pre- people. But you would say you were fairly intimate with the Beatles. You know, they worked pretty
1: well. I am, I'd say mid to high. Okay, but there are probably flaws in their songs. There are. Yeah. But please, uh, please, please me is a poor album by today's standards me, and an average album by then. But the first two albums really weren't particularly. What were you missing? Yeah, you're yeah. missing my point here. Is that I think while you
0: can openly admit that about the Beatles, okay, let's take. I mean, you're also a more critical
1: person in general, so it's a little different. All three of us are. No, it's more just. Well, if that's going to be the uh, the topic title, for instance, it's more just I try to be very careful about that sense of you know art. Lying to me and uh, it really is conditioning. I, It's a streamline. It's more comfort. It's more just a matter of comfort I try to be aware of that yeah. in all instances like uh, Comfort is such a powerful thing that people do this with almost everything in their lives They do it with things that they believe they do it with their with their their morals you know comfort is such a strong force sure because the repetition of it it is doing things in the back of your mind that you don't even realize it's doing it just seems more right every single time you repeat it um, because when you think about one thing it connects it to another thing you're more inclined to believe something else just based off their experience in that department and you go farther and farther and deeper deeper down the rabbit hole it's it's more bothersome to me I suppose when it concerns when it concerns you know, Politics, events, things that have a little more impact, I suppose, than music. But I am actively considering that when I do consider my music. And some people, maybe that's why it seems like I'm a little bit more critical, because most people, and I said this even just in recent times, uh, that you know, there's just there just aren't the stakes when you're talking about art. But that goes back and forth, because also art is a powerful force to the the former well of course you know it it impacts the former in which case it drives people toward that so when i see something even just as simple as you know uh the perpetuation of, of of pop structure right when i see that i just see it as a vessel for the masses and not necessarily something to say hey here's something new and and i i guess the the you know, sh- shaking them, rattling them just to see what will come out of it, you know? And I do think that less and less people try that. Not to say that I'm, I think we're living in, and this is an amazing time we're living in, there's all sorts of experimentation going on, but I do think that in certain sects of society that are kind of like cut off from that or are more inclined to be a little bit safer in any era, area of their lives, then that can be damaging just because that, that neuron that, you know, is, linked, there, is linked to the other thing. Uh, Maybe not for everyone, but I believe that there is some kind of subconscious connection there. It's more of a metaphysical thing than it is hard science, yet proven.
2: But you can argue that by using a, quote, safe pop structure, then it allows other ideas and other aspects of it to reach more individuals so that you can portray new ideas through the lyrics or through just melody work or something like that. Because... By presenting
1: it in that verse-chorus-verse-chorus, people would be more accepting of them. That's the meme culture essentially defined. But I I think that that, uh, that—we've had this discussion a little bit before. I think—actually, just go back to episode 218, 50 by Rick Astley. I actually remember the topic on that one, the mimification of of music or art in general. And I do think sometimes the vessel— that can oversimplify things because then you already are conditioned in some sense just to the reaction based on the part that has been repeated the template the template the image the anything involved with this meme then you're conditioned to that in other words that is also kind of lying to you, or if not lying a form of propaganda in a way, right? You see the image, you're inclined to feel a certain way because of all the other things in which you've seen the image, the template used toward things that you truly believe in, and then you see this other thing, and you're inclined to shift a little bit more toward it.
0: But allow me to play devil's advocate to something you mentioned about how you're on this quest, the the idea of this quest for something new and to find something new. Couldn't you also be as rose-colored at something new? This idea that you're in such a stark quest to find something new that you'll forgive horrible misgivings of it because it's just new? Yes. (laughs) And so <laughs> yes I do.
1: And so and you I, see the battles that I live. In but so that's <laughs> when what I wake oh, up
0: every day. And, and I, so I think that's the other side of it this idea that if we are only on a quest for something new
1: we might ignore those things that are of quality that aren't necessarily new. That is new. 100% true it would be hypocrisy to say otherwise. Case in point, if I listened to this album when we first started the show, I would not have looked at these lyrics at all. This would have been, I can say with some confidence probably a 2.5. In 2012, when we started the show. Right. That's disappointing, yeah. knowing what I know now, just because I wouldn't have... You know my progression. Any listener yeah. to the show knows my progression. I listen to the music first. After I listen to the music, and i am it's in my head, it's catching me by all these different things, then I'm inclined to start reading, you know... Uh, Singing the lyrics, I'm inclined to start singing along. That's happened to me with so many things. It's just the progression of how my mind works. I know other people's works exactly the opposite, but you know, just the, say, the fact of having to go to the lyrics and read this, and then even not just skimming and reading and say, "Hey, that's very nice poetry," but ah, the, 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 they I relate, I actually do relate to this and feel that there are morals here that can be skipped. That's why I, I read the moral in the beginning. It's you just try to cover all bases is a thing at the end of the day. It's just that you know when I when I balance it I guess it's it's, it's the amalgamation that we yeah. had in the last what was that last episode when you're amalgamating and trying to come up with a number you just values yeah. <laughs> what, the you hell do, what the hell do you value in music and yeah. It's different for everyone so
0: whoever your friend is who asked that there's your answer it's probably James. It's, James. it's James. Of course it's James. Of so it's James. James. It's always well, he's James. a
2: very thoughtful, broken kind of individual. Yeah. Yeah. He'll,
0: we'll get him on this podcast someday. He'll be someday. on here. Nah. It's going to yeah, happen. Probably he's, not. He's, nah, he's, he's probably not gonna gonna going on. We'll get him on. Nah, mm-hmm. No, we'll no, he might
2: him. be on. He might be on. We'll break him. <laughs> I think I'm doing both of your arguments. Yeah, let's uh, keep pretty going. much to this point.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, take a dive into, well, actually, before we dive into what we're doing next week, let's dive into Steve's
1: music term of the week. Let's dive into the concept of modality, Multi-mode system. Changing mode halfway through a uh, uh, measure or something like that. Um, I feel like you saying multi makes you want to think that there's a prefix there that means multi. And that's not what Neo means. No,
0: Neo means new or
2: recent or modern. Go. Go. Because Specifically Neo changing. Burlesque. That's why I know that. Uh, I was taking burlesque. it from the point of view that Neo would mean that like partway through your changing mode. No. That's what I mean by multi-mode. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. neo doesn't no, no, no. mean that.
0: No, no, ne- no. Neo means new or newer I
2: know form. I means new, but I'm like interjecting a new mode in a piece. Yeah. Well,
1: now that we've established that portion, which should be the obvious one for people who know their prefixes, but then it gets confusing. Or rather, I, I never really hear this word. I, I was kind of just, you know, going through the music dictionary, and I'm like, huh, this is interesting. I, best I can discern, the meaning has either changed or there are two parallel meanings for this particular term. First of all, if you just look at modal. Well, modal is, you know, the major scale is a mode, and that would be, you know, Ionian. The minor scale, that would be Aeolian, but I've also mentioned other modes of the course of the series. Uh, Locrian, Lydian, all these things, Dorian, Phrygian, um, and Mixolydian. All of those are modes, all used in, like, old church music, medieval stuff, right? And it's just a combination. It's a combination of, like, whole steps and a half steps. The case of either playing two adjacent notes in the piano, right, or, or skipping a note. So a half step is two adjacent, a whole step is skipping. And it's different combinations of that make up these scales, right? And you shift them a little bit, and then you get all these different modes. So, neo-modal, obviously, you know, it's not a lot of, like, old-school choir music written in the same way they were writing it back in medieval times today, although still a, a big thing in its own way. One thing I can see is that it would be the use of modality in contemporary music. In which case, sure, music we've looked at, like how I said God Sticks and Vids Conundrum was mostly in Lydian, or a good majority of that album was written in Lydian. with pretty contemporary. It was a 2013 album, so I'd say it's pretty neo-modal. I guess. Like, <laughs> I guess that's the term you'd use. Again, this is a new term for me, so I'm learning too. But then the other thing that I read was that it's characterized by the modification of major-minor tonality by the use of church modes or new modes. In other words, not those ones that I just described, not Locrian, Lydian, blah, 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 blah. But a brand new one. But other thing, yeah, shifting it, almost in the sense that, like, the folk music of, uh, like you know eastern europe sort of shifts certain things you have all these different combinations of like blank phrygian blank lydian things that were never used in in you know old school medieval uh stoic catholic (laughs) church
0: wow all right so we all learned something this time we did and i was still closer to being right so
2: i'm still winning i just thought it would change in scale like that it makes sense no it doesn't but it's fine I thought of, I didn't know. What All right. He's okay. All really right. Different. Whatever. All right. All do right, John. I have John. to talk now.
0: Yeah, you get to talk now. Um, even though I kind of stole your thunder last week. Yeah, a little bit, but John, tell us what we're doing well, next
2: week. Well, thankfully, this wasn't just a hip hop album no, that's we're done true. this week because next week we're doing a rock hop album. A rock hop. I don't want to call them rock rap because rock, it's hard. Rock, it's, rock, it's, it's, rock, it's a hard, rock album. It's hard to do it. But uh, for it's been two years since I got to listen to something new by this band because. It's been, it, it, I think it was worth the wait, actually. I would I'm, I'm going to just preface that right there, that one of my favorite artists over like the last decade, the Flowbots, mm. finally released their album No Enemies, one word, and we're going to be doing it. It only came out uh, back May 5th, yeah. I believe was the release date. It, it was one of those albums that had been in production for, like, the last two years. They kickstarted yeah. like, a year and a half ago. They started it up. And they made yeah. so much. I think they're coming out with a second album sometime later this year, early next year. Great. That they're like, okay, the fans We're not this. doing that one. Uh, we might. You never know.
1: <laughs> well, it might so, change
2: the world. We have to do that album.
0: I, I will say that I'm interested in Flowbots only because we did do Circle in the Square very early in our career. And I've grown to... I liked that album. In fact, it's one of those things where Steve talked about his rating would have been higher now. If I rated... That that album now versus when I did, it definitely would have been higher. I actually
1: I, recently went through all of our year in reviews to see what we changed. And I had actually changed that album. Uh, I had raised it in yeah. my very first year in review, episode 25. I moved it up to a 4.5 from like a 4 or something.
0: Um, and so I'm excited to hear it, but I'm also a little bit hesitant because of rose colored glasses, eh. like we experienced with Envisaged Conundrum and then, and uh, then emergence. Uh, emergence. I didn't think Emergence was as good because it just wasn't Envisaged Conundrum, yeah. and I'm afraid I'm going to have that problem here too. <laughs> the well, difference luckily, of a point one for me. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> but hey. Luckily, but, I still consider their uh, first album, Fight with Tools, as. Well, technically not first album, but first actual produced studio produced album. Yeah. Fight with Tools to be the uh, high watermark for their work. So, it, if it, if 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 it matches up to them, then like Wife Flag like Warrior or Circle in the Square, I, I'm going to, need to be ecstatic. That's fair. Not content, ecstatic. Well, I'm,
0: I'm intrigued and excited, though, because I like taking on bands that we did early on because I feel like we look at it at a different... This seems like the right time to do some of these bands. Well, and also, like I, I've said many times on this podcast, if All American Rejects comes out with a new album, we're doing it because of where we ended up at the end of that album, thinking that it was an album of growth. I want to see what their follow-up is.
1: And most of these probably should be accompanied by re-listens of the those Original albums to yeah. make sure that again, we haven't, uh, l- we didn't look at them through rose colored glasses, even oh, at the time, yeah. considering yeah. we weren't, you know, developed in the way. Don't we worry are I've, now. I've We now. We hope we are now. I've never removed flow bots from my rotation. Yeah, that's the okay. same. All right, well,
2: uh, on John that note, is wearing
1: rose colored glasses. <laughs>
0: look at them. They're no, on his face.
2: don't, don't, you'll be surprised because some of the things I'm going to have to say next week. Mm. All don't right, don't worry about that. Okay. Well,
0: thanks for tuning in, and as always, remember, music is life and, and life, is life is good.
1: good. Because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.